Good morning, good evening, and welcome, people, to episode 94 um, of Dude and the Monkey, and it's our 2014 review show. I'm your my host, Mark Foster, and I'm joined, as ever, by my co-host... Ian Loring, hello! Hello, uh, and like I can say, this show, with no reviews or anything like that, it literally is a rundown of our best, worst, biggest surprises and biggest disappointments of 2014 um it's it's been quite a good year i'd say uh what you hear yeah man um i mean I, I we'll get into it but i gave uh i think 17 films five out of five that's pretty so, fucking good that yeah i mean my 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 I was having a little chat with this when, about this with Mondo Dan on Twitter yesterday. My justification for a 5 out of 5 is where I am perfectly happy with the film that was made and I have no no problems of substance with it. So even if, even if there are issues, if the film's good enough that I don't give a fuck, 5 out of 5. So that that that's my justification for it, and that's why I have so many. Yeah, I, I gave uh, six films five out of five this year, um, mm. but I, it, I think I'm a little bit more strict with myself with that. Um, yeah, fair enough. Um, but yeah, uh, I'll start that. I'll start that sentence again. Uh, what were your <laughs> criteria uh, for this year then for, for how they qualified? Because that's sometimes a little bit the, the sketchy kind of ideas for that, really. <laughs> Films seen since the last Dude and a Monkey Top Ten. That's yeah. it. That, that, that's how that's, I've done it. So yeah. technically, there there might be a, a film that in theory was actually released in um, 2015 on my list. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but fuck it. Um, that, that's the way I look at it. And then next year I'll just do exactly the same effing thing. Um, so yeah, so you're gonna get how we're gonna run it is you're gonna get ten, nine, eight, and then you're gonna get our of our best. And then you're going to get our biggest disappointments, just to break up the nicety. And then you'll get 765, and then you'll get our biggest uh, surprises. Uh, and then you'll get 432, and then we'll do our 10 worst. And then you'll get each of our number unos. Um, so, Ian, what I'd say then, without further ado, let's crack on. Uh, what is your number 10 movie of um, 2014? 
Would you mind awfully if I just lift off, list off the other seven that got five out of five? Absolutely, yeah. You do. Do we'll, we'll, we'll both do our, our honourable mentions then. Yeah. Okay. So um, my seventeen was the box trolls. Sixteen, uh, Jodorowsky's June. Fifteen, Interstellar. Fourteen, Gone Girl. Thirteen, What We Do in the Shadows. Twelve, Paddington. And eleven, Calvary. Whoa, fuck yeah, there's some big ones that aren't on there then. Um, yeah. My um, my honourable mentions uh, were our uh, Lucy, uh, Cold in July, Frank, Snowpiercer, Guardians of the Galaxy, and Sabotage. Um, aside from Sabotage, I would, I, I think every single one of those I gave. Apart from Cold in July, I gave that four out of five, but every single one of those I gave four point five out of five. So I'm kind of with you on them as well. I would say. Cool. Right. Yes. So. Go on. My number ten. Number um, ten. So yeah, this is a film that I um, last night spent twenty minutes watching the iTunes HD copy and comparing it to the Blu-ray to decide once and for all whether I was going to go all digital or not. <laughs> um, the, unsurprisingly, the Blu-ray won because. The video quality is demonstrably better, and the audio is, there's not even a comparison, genuinely. Uh, but anyway, that's probably a discussion for another time. Um, Adam Wingard's The Guest. Um, now, The Guest, a five out of five film, really, some people might say, which, um, you know, I could see where they're coming from. But again, my criteria, if I have no problems with it, if I, if I think the film did entirely what, it meant to do what it sets out to do yeah then it's a five out of five and that's what the guest is but what, what it, i think it it does better than maybe some of the other five out of fives that i've already uh, that i've already mentioned is that it attempts to take a variety of kind of genres um you know that black comedy thriller horror and um and, and, and melds them with what is a star-making performance for Dan Stevens. At least it would have been if more people had seen the film, mm. um, because I don't think it did that well at the box office um, all in, which is uh, which is a massive shame. Um, even though it does feel like a, the type of film that five years down the line wouldn't even get a theatrical release, this feels like, you know, because this went wide in the UK, yeah. and it's one where I just think as the smaller films go VOD the, and cinemas are, are, are kind of more concentrating on the larger films I think The Guest is one that would be more a high calibre VOD title and I did say I, I, like, as we've discussed on the show I think the stigma surrounding VOD is pretty much gone now Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know I'm, I'm more than happy to have it in my list I mean Dan Stevens is fantastic the score which I bought off iTunes for six ninety nine, which was a great purchase is uh, it is amazing. Um, some people have compared it to Drive in that way, and I, 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 you know, with the kind of like the cool, steely lead, and then the kind of electro soundtrack. And I, I think it's a very surface comparison. They're two films doing two very, very different things. Um, but yeah, I, you know, it is genuinely laugh out loud funny in places. Um, it gets, it gets more and more silly as it goes on where by the end of the film where you've got a character seeing something and then saying what the fuck it is just like they, they, they just don't care anymore and it makes no sense I mean it actually makes no sense whatsoever but who gives a fuck because it's such a fun ride um, The Guest yeah I'm, I'm very very happy to have it in my top ten 
Very good, very good. Um, right, um, I'll give you my number ten uh, then. Uh, my number ten is uh, Jonathan Glazer's Under the Skin, um, a movie that. I mean, Jonathan Glitter hasn't made that many movies. He's not really a... Can, can I just say, this is my number nine. Is it your number so nine? So we may as well just talk about yeah, it together, maybe. We may talk about it together then, yeah. Um, yeah, Jonathan Glitter is one of those people, he, he doesn't make a lot of a lot of films. Uh, he's more of a music video uh, director and commercial director. Um, I, I will say I'm not a massive fan of Sexy Beast. Uh, I think it is one of um, the most overrated British films of modern times, to be honest. Um, and... I I quite enjoyed Birth, um, but Under the Skin is a wonderfully creepy and um, sort of a really nicely strange movie that almost happens in as in vignettes that kind of all feed into the same story. It's almost like a collection of short films melded together that have the same premise and the same actual character in the fact that you've got the beach scene, you've got the scene where she's stalking the um, the streets of Scotland, and then you've got the... The, her discovering, uh, you know, the, the humanity within the alien scene, and then you've got towards the, the actual sort of the closing scene. That everything just feels right and fits together, and it's quite an icky film. Yes, yeah. it, it, it it really does sit and it does settle. And it's not it's not a film that you really that I would say you enjoy watching, but it's a film that's fascinating to watch. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I think it's the film in my top ten that I see myself rewatching the least. I've seen yeah, it twice. Absolutely, yeah. And like, I've I've got a feeling I won't be watching it again for a little bit. But the 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 power of the film is absolutely undeniable. I mean, you've got that the astonishing opening sequence where it, it's just like it almost sounds like. It, that she's kind of learning a language or something, it, like the, the kind of the ma, 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 k, 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 kind, kind of thing, along with the whatever the image actually is, whether it's um, kind of like the, her form being birthed or if it's like some sort of transport vessel going to Earth or whatever. I mean, who the fuck knows what that that, that image is? I, yeah. I mean, it's it's it's. It, I mean, it's a hell of an opening and it makes you stand up and pay attention and um, the. Directorially, I mean, incredibly brave. I mean, actually having Scarlett Johansson just driving around in Glasgow, picking up random guys or chatting to random guys. It, I mean, it's, but, but, I mean, it's very brave because you could imagine that going really, 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 really wrong. Badly, yeah. You know, and 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 I mean, it, it, yes, there were, was a camera crew in in the back with her, but still, you know, it it, it, it only takes one nutter. With a knife or something, you know, and it, it, it could all go very, very bad. Um, but then, I mean, you got a uh, uh, Mikai Levy score, who um, I've been saying on Twitter a couple of times, only a serial killer would listen to the score, and like outside of the film. But I actually stuck it on in my lunch break at work <laughs> on Spotify a few weeks back. And I, to be honest, I maintain that. I listened to it for about 20 minutes and I just finished my break feeling really weirded out. <laughs> and, you know, and it really wasn't a good idea. Um, but I, it, it just the, 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 the soundscape that is made by the film is, just incredible. I mean, it, pro- it could, it could be one of the best scores of the year. Just for how ingrained into the fucking fabric of the film it is, out of a thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's just an it's an all round everything as a technical sort of display. It's a wonderful film. 
Yeah, I mean, the ending as well is just... I, it's, I mean, it's ever so slightly kind of... You know, if you would say, oh, how would this film end? I mean, spoiler alert, but a guy setting her on fire and then her revealing a true alien self. I can imagine someone guessing that. Yeah. But the, the way it's kind, of, it's kind of handled and the way it plays out, not not really, you know. And just that, that image is kind of the bald, oily, black... Thing. Kind of thing is is one of the images of the year, you know. I, I and that along with the baby on the beach, which is insanely fucking upsetting, you know. Yeah. Like really, really, really upsetting. Um, and, and and I mean, I think that the kind of the realist aspect of the you know the, the real guys being picked up thing kind of feeds into that as well. I think if the film was a just obviously fictional film and was like high gloss, maybe that wouldn't. Hit, hit home quite as well, but because you know because of the, the, how gritty the film actually is, it, it kind of amps that. It's a um, very, very very skillfully made film, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. Like you say, if, if it had been recognisable faces in more roles, um, it, it would have. Kind of, I think it would have taken away some of the impact of the film without question. Yeah.
that for sure, man. Cool. Uh, right, well, that was your uh, that was my number ten uh, and your number nine. So I'll go into my uh, number nine now. Then uh, my number nine is um, Michael Roskam's uh, The Drop, uh, a movie that I really liked uh, for it's just outright subtlety and the fact that it. it I think I said it when I when uh, I spoke about it on the podcast before, not too long ago, actually. So I won't go into too much detail about it. Um, it, it the fact that it is. I mean, it's based on a short story rather than a, a full book uh, by Dennis Lehane. Um, and it is, it's just a neighbourhood story. Uh, it doesn't try and shoot bigger. It just kind of, what happens, happens in it. And it affects the people that are in it. It doesn't really affect, like, the entire neighbourhood. Or it doesn't affect, it doesn't reach out further. It needs to reach out. And it's all held together by this wonderfully kind of, controlled uh, performance by Tom Hardy who every so often you seem to expect him uh, in films to go like at any point he's going to go big and grand and he doesn't he, he has this amazing sort of talent of reining himself in and ensuring that that I think that he never outshines the film he, he's never trying to go bigger than the film uh, and that he just wants to be part of uh, what makes that film great rather than being the thing that makes that film great which mm. often ends up being you know the actual point is he often ends up being the main driving force between a film being great uh, it's a wonderful shift that he seems to be able to have between doing sort of things like um you know, in Inception and then in Dark Knight Rises and he's going to be in Mad Max and then he does films like The Drop. He, 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 he just seems to spread himself quite well and he could quite easily, you know, I mean, yeah, he did the This Means War and I think for him that was his way of going out and doing something and trying like a, a studio standardised movie. It didn't work and I can't see him ever doing anything like that again. I, I, I can't help but feel that was his agent just going, look, do, do, do me a fucking break. It's going to be easier to get you on other films if you do this one. Yeah. Please just do it. You never know, you might have a fun time, and it turns out you didn't. That's it, almost like them going, look, right? You know, if you keep doing these movies, you're going to get... You're going to, yes, you're going to make a very decent living, but they're offering you a good amount of money, you know, to do this. Mm. Do it. Just fucking do it. Like you say, you might enjoy it. Chris Pine fucks off and does his little what is it, and he does a big studio movie every now and again. So try that. He tried it, didn't like it. I don't think he'll ever do it again. Uh, but yeah, my number nine, uh, I say we're going to too much detail because I spoke quite, um, on a podcast quite recently, is The Drop, um, just because I lap up this kind of stuff, to be honest. I'm looking forward to catching up with that. Um, I've got it. I've got it on the pile. It's just when I get round to it. I kind of like after all the, the kind of 2014 catch up lately. I'm kind of looking forward to, I don't know, seeing some new stuff and, and kind of maybe seeing some older stuff as well. But it, yeah. it is what I'll be getting to shortly, I'd imagine. Cool. Right, Ian. Uh, what is your number eight? Well, number eight is a film we actually saw together um, when we were in Manchester towards the start of the year. Um, this is Jim Jarmusch's Only Lovers Left Alive, um, which uh, is a, a, a film that I, I, I originally gave it like a 4.5 out of 5, but it, it kind of like burrowed in. And then Donna and I watched it the other night, um, so it was my second time watch, and it, it really just clicked. It's a film that barely really has any plots, or if there is any plot, it's basically Tom Hiddleston's character growing to realise he doesn't want to kill himself and that he wants to live. Mm. And that, that's basically it. But you've got um, 
you've got these kind of like these stories that kind of come and go and I mean like the, the middle section of the film is mainly taken up by uh, Mia Vaskowska's character kind of coming to stay and then things around that but then that, that that bit doesn't really inform the last half hour or so so it's it's an, it's it, it kind of ebbs and flows and it's an interestingly paced film um but it also the love that the film has for physical the physical form of things um, and the kind of like and analog, I, I I think is really interesting. Um, even if some of it is incredibly really, like uh, there's a bit where um, Tom Hiddleston's character has a conversation with Tilda Swinton. She's on her iPhone, and then he kind of plugs in his computer into an old CRT TV. Yeah. And uh, but I mean, like it's but again, I mean it just it's further. Uh, establishing the, the the point of his character, and if he, he suddenly had like a big flat screen TV, it wouldn't be the same. So you know that that's absolutely fine. But um, it, it just it, it, I mean the soundtrack of the film that Jim Jarmusch uh, kind of co-composed is is fantastic. Um, the kind of the main tune in it, which um, uh, like Tom Hiddleston's character in the film uh, kind of makes and is played in this club is 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 awesome. It kind of feels feels a bit mogwai. God's feed you black emperor that 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 kind of thing and I'm 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 bang into that so that helps uh, but also I mean Tom Hiddleston is is quietly very funny very dry very droll um, Tilda Swinton you know is a, 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 an engaging presence at the at the worst of times um, but here she's got this kind of slightly laid back very intelligent but not up herself kind of um, uh, a vampire which I like and you've got Anton Yelchin who, who provide some good comic support. I mean, um, I don't think there, there were a few lines this year I had such a reaction to as Tom Hiddleston simply saying to um, Anton Yelchin's character, "Feel free to piss in the garden." I don't know. It just, I like, I like, you know, the way the way he says that. It just, I mean, it's it's a film I'm really entertained by, and I like the the sedate pacing of it, and yet it still manages to to like. A kind of finger my pleasure senses as such so uh, yeah Only Love is Left Alive it's uh, num- number 8 I uh, really do rate it yeah. it's one that I think would have cracked my list had I probably watched it again but I just didn't get around to watching it again mm-hmm. uh, right so my number well, uh, number 8 now actually isn't it yeah uh, my number 8 is uh, The Raid 2 um, one of the most I would say heavily Build in, in in many circles films of the, the year. best action film ever. Yes, said every single fucking person yes. when it first played Sundance, and then no one else ever said that ever again. Yes, sorry. It's, it's it's quite simply, it's not the best action film ever. There are a whole host of uh, action films that are better. However, I would say it was for me the best action film of this year. Um, I enjoyed it on first watch, but I had um, slight issues with certain parts of it. But it was on second watch that uh, a lot of those issues went away. For instance, my issue on the first watch was I thought it was a little bit. It was it was over long. To be honest, it is two and a half hours long. But on the second watch, it breezed by, uh, and I thought, you know, usually what happens when you watch a film a second time that is that you think is a little bit too long. 
it drags more because you've not got that anticipation of what's going to happen later on in the movie. You already know what's happening in the movie. Um, but I didn't get that the second time. It actually felt a little bit more punchy and it actually flowed a little bit better the second time. Um, and I'll be honest, it was a pure... I just enjoyed the spectacle of it. The, it is essentially a collection of set pieces and the set pieces are fight scenes. Uh, when you compare it to a lot of the uh, modern day... Um, American-made action movies. It is staggering um, how the choreography in this compares to the the fighting choreography in so many other action movies. It is these are these are the key point is these are actors that they've turned into fighters. Uh, and then I've had somebody who's very talented choreograph them. These are fighters that they've got to act. And yes, it means that some of the time the acting isn't spot on, but you don't come to a martial arts action movie for fucking in-depth, uh, heart-wrenching action performances. You come to it for ass-kicking, and that is what I got out of The Raid too. It is an absolute fucking riot of violence and ridiculousness, and that end fight scene um, where he goes through the building is just marvellous. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, yeah, it's it's nothing new. It's nothing you know. It's not groundbreaking or anything like that. Um, but I will still revisit it on a fairly regular basis. Only just missed my top uh, my top five disappointing. Did it? That, yeah, I, 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 do you know what? I looked at Box. I gave it a 7 out of 10. I don't feel like, after my thinking on it, that I, I think it's a 7 out of 10. I'm kind of... If it wasn't for the length, I probably would have rewatched it before year's end. But that film, and I know you're saying that it, it doesn't feel as bad second time round, that fucking thing was, like, was one of the slowest two and a half hours I've had in a cinema in years and considering the action in that film, that's a crime. My, I, I, I know, you know, this section is supposed to be about positivity. My one thing I will say is I think Gareth Evans kind of thought, I, you know, I want to make a big crime saga film. If I'm going to be, if I'm going to get the funding to do that, it's probably going to have to be a raid sequel. And he tried to do that with the raid too. And I, <laughs> I think narratively he bit off more than he could chew. But the action is great. Yeah. But, you know, fair enough here. It's time to your opinion. No, I, 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 I'd agree with that. Um, in terms of the, the crime elements don't fit as well as the action. But for me, it just takes it just based purely on the fight scenes. Yeah, I mean, again, it's one of those things where it's like you acknowledge the problems, but you just don't care. Yeah. You know, and that, that's, that's, that's fair enough, yeah. Cool. Right, uh, Ian. Uh, oh, no, we're not, we're not, we're not, we're not. Going to go on to uh, yeah, we're taking a little break break now to go on to our surprises. Uh, so, Ian, uh, do you want to give me your number five surprise movie? Yeah, sure. Um, Grand Piano. Um, it, I, I had a, a fantastic time with this. It's um, it, 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 I, there's not an awful lot of substance to the film, but it's incredibly stylish. It, I mean, there's an awful lot of De Palma going on in there. Oh, it yeah. is short as fuck. It is as tight as a drum. Mm. Um, and it's 
sublimely ridiculous. Uh, the the ending of the film, like why John Cusack's character was actually doing uh, like doing all of it, is amazing, and it makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> I, and I love it. You know, I, I, it just it kind of came out of nowhere a little bit for me, and uh, I just had a really entertaining Saturday night with a few drinks, like at around about midnight, kind of like dozily watching it. And uh, yeah, I, I look forward to watching it again. Grand Piano Man, it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed Grand Piano as well. Um, I think that was one. I think it was. Dave Hall recommended to me. Um, yeah, sure, that sounds like something he'd do, yeah. And, uh, mentioned it, that he'd seen it, and I, I gave it a watch. Uh, it's similar to you, I think I watched it really on a Friday night, uh, and it was it's just a great movie, yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, my number five, uh, for surprises, is um, Kevin Costner's uh, film Draft Day. Uh, oh, yeah, Draft Day's all right, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm right, man. Now, the, the reason why I put this in uh, my surprises um, is because... I watched it shortly after um, I watched Three Days to Kill. Um, and I, I really like Kevin Costner as an actor, and he doesn't do an awful lot nowadays. Um, and I I expected, you know, Three Days to Kill to be... I, I really liked the look of that, and it just it wasn't very good. Um, and so draft it, I went into it with a bit of lowered expectations, but what I got out of it was a really solid sports movie um, that had, you know... It, it's amazing how essentially just a draft day could get me sort of so involved, and it ticks along. It's you know it, it's an, it's just under two hours long, but it flows really well. It's really light and airy. It's a great movie that you could watch on like a fucking a day off a midweek day off movie that you can watch with either your lunch or your breakfast. It's that kind of. You don't have to be that in tune with it. You don't have to pay that much attention, but it's just a really, really enjoyable movie. And I was surprised at how solid it was. Because it, it literally, it got dumped over here. People just went, oh, people don't understand it's, where it's a football. It's already on Netflix over here. Yeah. Which is insane. Mm. Absolutely. So, yeah, draft it, uh, my number five uh, surprise. Just based on the fact that I was just shocked at how solid a fucking movie it is. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was uh, three out of five on it. I, I, you know, it was what it was. I, I, I can't say I loved it, but it's, it's, a, it's a perfectly fine midweek watch, I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, go on then, you're number four in surprises. I know you don't agree with this, but fuck it, you like the raid too. Um, the Inbetweeners 2. Um, oh. Sorry, I laughed uh, quite a lot. Way more than I expected to. The first one... I think is uh, is abhorrent. Um, so the fact that I thought this one was actually okay uh, was stunning to me. Um, it it realizes that we don't care about the guys getting with girl uh, with girls. We want to see them be dicks and just goof about with each other, and that's what this one is. Um, but it also, I mean, there's. There's a couple of gross-out sequences I actually quite enjoyed. Um, I don't know whether it caught me on a good day. Maybe that's all it is, or maybe an off day, depending on your opinion. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't have much more to say about it. But just considering how much I detested the first one, the fact that I thought this one was okay, it, ha- it really was a surprise. So, yeah, it's, it's in this on merit for me. Cool. Um, my number four um, surprise uh, is The Maze Runner. Um 
if you'd have said to me that um, I would have enjoyed this movie and it got me as much as it did, but the fact that it's based on a um, a youth um, series of books, uh, I'd have been absolutely amazed. Uh, I also thought the trailer made it look horribly generic. Um, and then watched it because uh, my daughter went to watch it and I was amazed at how involved it got me into it and how much I actually started giving a shit about the characters it also looks fucking great for a movie that cost 34 million dollars uh, I think is staggering uh, how good it looks and uh, I, I will happily uh, watch um, the, the sequel when it comes out yeah I yeah um, I can't, I'm not super, super interested in, um, in, uh, in, in the sequel, to be honest. It's like, I was more interested in the world set, but it, of this first film than the world they were actually setting up. But, um, yeah, I mean, we discussed it on the show a few weeks back. Yeah. I, I liked it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, go on then, your number three. Yeah, my number three, Luke Besson to, uh, Lucy. If you were to say to me that Luke Besson was actually going to make a film I, <laughs> I genuinely thought was great. Um, again, you know, before watching Lucy, I would have probably punched you in the mouth. But, uh, yeah, um, I had a really fun time with it. it it's, it's smart, stupid. Um, visually, it's, it's very exciting. Um, Scarlett Johansson puts her all into it. And it's absolutely barking. Um, yeah, great fun. Yeah, I, I rewatched it, uh, the other day, actually. We watched it together as well, didn't we? Yeah, we did, yeah. yeah. Um, I rewatched it the other day, um, and it, it, like I say, it, it, it narrowly missed out on my top, um, top 10 uh, it, it's a thoroughly enjoyable movie it, it's it's stupid sci-fi but it's within its own world that it creates it makes it makes sense mm. uh, yeah right my number three is a movie that I only watched a couple of days ago um, and it was it, it wasn't what I was doing as part of my um, part of my cram you know, this is sound really shitty it's a movie that I watched because I was really struggling um, with a my worst list. Now, I don't go into any movie wanting to dislike a movie. I go into every movie I go to watch wanting it to, to like it. But somebody had told me that they'd watched this movie and had, had hated it and said it was absolutely fucking terrible. And I can't remember who it was. Uh, so it's fair to say there are films that you go into expecting, expecting that they could well be shit. Yeah, expecting it to be shit, but I always will go in, I never go in wanting a movie to be shit. Sure, sure. Um, so I watched this going, right, I've watched the trailer, this looks shit, it looks like it's going to wind me up, and I, I've had a few people tell me it's shit, I'm going to give it a go and see what it's like, because, you know, I'll either be surprised or I'll have something to put on my shit list. And it's because I had a surprise day off because I decided not to open the shop up on Friday. Um, and so I gave this a watch. And it's the the um, Sean Levy movie, This Is Where I Leave You. Um, uh, okay. With yeah. a cast of uh, Jason Bateman, Tina Fey, Adam Driver, Rose Byrne, Corey Stoll, Connie Britton, Timothy Oliphant's in there, Jim Fonda's in there, Dax Shepard's in there. Did you, have you seen this one? I'm guessing you won't. No, it's, no, I haven't. It, it's no. not something that anybody would actually, I think, out of choice fucking watch. Um, you've got Jason Bateman uh, plays a character called Judd, um, who finds out at the start of the, the, the movie that uh, his wife has been fucking his boss. Uh, and then at the same time, uh, like a week or so later, uh, he, his dad dies. Uh, it's not suddenly they were expecting it, but they were expecting it to happen as quickly as it did. 
Um, his uh, dad's dying wish was that uh, the, the, his him uh, and the rest of his siblings all had to sit um, Shiva um, for which is they have to sit in mourning for seven days so he has to go back and his uh, siblings played by uh, Corey Stoll and Tina Fey and uh, Adam Driver uh, himself and his mother played by uh, Jane Fonda basically have to sit and spend seven days with each other and you get the usual dysfunctional family dynamics thrown all in together so you've got Tina Fey She's in a loveless marriage, um, and um, her husband's a dick. Free admits he's a dick, and she's got a couple of kids, and she appears to be struggling with alcoholism, but nobody seems to give a shit about that. Corey Stahl, uh, he runs the family business, uh, and he is just a bit of a dick, and he's, him and his wife try to have a kid, but they can't have a kid. Uh, and then you've got a driver who is the classic fuck-up, um, and he brings his... His new partner there, and the mum's this oversharing mother who wrote a book about their dysfunctional family and so made a load of money off that. And she constantly talks about her sex life and their sex life, and etc. 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 So it's the usual family, you know, upper class bullshit all mixed in together. But for some reason, it just sat with me really quite well, to be honest. Mm. Uh, and I actually really, really enjoyed it. It, 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 it it just surprised me how much when I was watching it going it finished and I was like shit I actually fucking really really enjoyed that nice uh, so yeah so, so that, that's why it's in there just completely took me by surprise yeah no fair enough man I, I, I don't know I, I didn't really have any interest in seeing it but you know, um, yeah, it, know, maybe it, I will it's not something that I'd say you know it's not a strong recommend or anything like that it's a mild recommend but it's solid, it goes everywhere you expect it to go, but it's fun while it's going there. Nice. Go on then, what's your number two surprise of the year? Yeah, okay, my number two. <laughs> uh, Brett Ratner's Hercules. That's a strong shout. You know, because it's Brett Ratner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just, I mean, it was really entertaining. You know, I mean, we reviewed it on the show. It, um... It knows what it is. Um, it does an interesting thing with, you know, like the, is Hercules like a demigod or does he actually just have good PR? And it, um, I mean, the film very nicely is ambiguous about that the whole way through. Mm. Even by the end of the film, I, I, I don't think you're entirely sure um, of what the answer is. Um, but, I mean, it's, it's short. Um, Ian McShane is solid kind of comic relief sidekick kind of guy. Um, and it, it feels like it's it's already been forgotten. You know, I don't think we're going to be getting a sequel or anything. But um, I just I, I just had fun with it, and I, I I was kind of expecting it to be brutal. So yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it would have been on my surprises, but the only thing that kept it off my surprises list is because if you'd have told me whether or not I'd have enjoyed a Hercules movie that starred Dwayne the Rock Johnson, I'd have gone. Of course, I fucking will. Yeah, um, yeah, but other than that, yeah, it, it, it was it was perfectly solid. But yeah, it has been forgotten about. Even though it did a perfectly solid amount of money, I don't think we'll ever get a sequel. Yeah, uh, my number two uh, surprise uh, was a movie that's trailer. Uh, I think I first said about it was that there is nothing that could make me watch that at all, <laughs> uh, and and it ended up narrowly. Actually, it, it probably ended up. It, it, the reason why it wasn't on my honourable mentions is because we have a rule, don't we, where you can't have something on a list twice. It can only be on a list once. 
yeah. and so it, it, it's on my surprises because it took me by surprise um, but it just missed out on my top ten um, and it's the John Favreau movie Chef uh, okay. which yeah. I expected to, to hear because I'm not a massive John Favreau fan uh, he, he winds me up this looked like self-indulgent uh, ooh they didn't want me for uh, Iron Man 3 bullshit and then I watched it um, on a week off that I had at about 11 o'clock in the morning and I thought it was like a wonderful it was food porn for a start off which was great it made me want to eat a sandwich and it just felt like a nice warm hug of a movie. I've watched it a couple of times since, and every time I watch it, the story starts to go. I start to go with the story, uh, but then it finishes, and I go, I really enjoyed that, and I really want a sandwich. And that is the reason why I love Chef. It do, do you base your enjoyment on films and how much they make you want to eat sandwiches? I, 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 literally, I could. I, if, <laughs> if, if a film finishes and I go, fuck, I could eat that film, then then that's brilliant. <laughs> uh, you know, it's completely ridiculous. Treat John Favreau, no matter how good that man can cook, his character can cook, it wouldn't make both Scarlett Johansson and walking tits Sophie Viag- Viagra whatever she's called want to fuck it the right? way Scarlett Johansson is looking at him like I want to fuck you so hard while he's making that that, that thing is right yeah uh, probably the most unintentionally funny thing I've seen this year I like Chef yeah but for all it's fucking self-indulgent, none of this would ever happen in any form of reality bollocks. It is a really easy, entertaining watch. But the look on her face then, even she must have been a little bit tempted to say, John, really? Yeah, it, literally, this is, this is... And the thing is, the reason why I don't get on with John Favreau is because he he's a perfectly talented actor he's a decent actor he's a perfectly serviceable director but he seems to think that he is an amazing director an amazing and he seems to have this incredible opinion of himself because he's been incredibly successful in his career you know he's made movies that have made shitloads of money you know Swingers is still a cult classic he's an incredibly successful guy I just don't see why people revere him like this. And then he makes a movie which essentially is him whining about studios while also incorporating his other lo- love, love in life, which is clearly fucking food, while also incorporating the other love in his life, which is clearly wanting people to think that he is amazing. But I still fucking loved it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, no, fair enough. Your your love for it, I I, I don't know. I, I'm not too sure I understand like just how much you like Chef, but good good for you. Yeah, uh, go on then. What is your number one surprise of the year? Okay, and again because I thought the first one was not great, and yet this I actually thought was really solid. The Purge Anarchy. Oh, I've not watched The Purge Anarchy, but I mainly because I, just, I, I fucking despise The Purge. Purge. Um, sorry, I just ripped my earphones out. If you could just, sorry, if you just heard any feedback, that's sorry. Um, yeah, no, the thing is, right, The Purge, I, I didn't hate it, hate it, hate it, but I still think it was on my worst of list last year. Um, this opens up the world. Um, it basically goes full Carpenter uh, in moments. Um, and 
the, 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 the kind of like the, the 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 kind of the story they're actually building up is genuinely quite interesting and um, it's it is a bit bitty and I I didn't love it but I think there's a lot to be getting on with with it and I think for anyone who's a fan of of, of like Assault on Precinct 13 or Escape from New York you're gonna have a good time with it I I, I like genuinely I it's I I, I was very very, 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 verily pleasantly surprised by it. I, you know, again, I kind of went, I kind of went into it thinking I'm going to think this is shit, but it's something for worst off at the end of the year. And yet, no, um, you know, seven out of ten. Oh, nice. Uh, I, I, I'll, I'll actually bump that further up then on, on the watch list to give it a go. Then uh, my number one uh, surprise um, is the fault in our stars, um, a movie that that that. I watched just because my daughter wanted to watch it, and I said I'd watch it with her because some a few people said it wasn't too bad. Uh, my daughter kind of enjoyed it. She's enjoying the book because she's reading the book at the moment a lot more. I think she enjoyed the film, and I actually really enjoyed it, and it got me at a lot of points. Um, it's really well put together. It, um, it's well staged. It's well acted, um, and the story just fucking got me uh it might be one of those things because you you know parenthood fucking does that to you but fuck it that's that's what movies are they elicit emotions out of us based on our experiences in life and and this got me um and i'm amazed again that a another uh potentially teen fucking um book uh ended up being a film that i got this much out of nice yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoyed it as well. It's it's not on my list, to be honest. But if, if we're doing a top ten, it probably would be on my list. But it, it's not on my list, but that's not to say I didn't enjoy it. Cool. Uh, right. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, my number seven is Martin Scorsese's The War for Wall Street, uh, which I know is going to be higher on your list, so I'll probably uh, keep it on the download for now. Um, very, very entertaining. Somehow manages to make three hours fly by. DiCaprio and Hill are great fun together. Really, really good supporting cast as well. Um, and, yeah, Scorsese just hits another homer. Cool. Uh, yeah, it will appear later on. Yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll leave it. Yeah. Um, right, my number seven uh, is a movie that I actually only watched yesterday. Um, and it is uh, Birdman, uh, or The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance. Uh, a movie which I think, I mean... Well, to put it into context, I went to it uh, and it had a packed screening. Uh, I, we actually got the, the last two remaining seats uh, to see it. Um, so the movie is, is doing is doing well, which is great, because it, it, it absolutely is an, an art house movie. Um, you know, I thoroughly expect that people already know the story. You know, Michael Keaton plays a, you know, an ex-comic book uh, hero uh, actor um, called Birdman, and he's trying to get some kind of relevance and some kind of artistic um, justification, I suppose, um, by directing, writing, and starring in an adaptation of a Raymond Carver story um, on Broadway. Uh, it is absolutely over the top. It is a wonderful satirical look at um, modern film, modern theatre, modern, uh, I suppose, in a way, journalism um, critique, um, 
and media and promotions and everything and it takes a snarky look at all of it not it's not trying to have show one side of it it's showing every single side of it and saying look everybody's having a snarky look and this is what each individual person saying you've got all these wonderful characters you've got the entire world uh, seemingly going oh my god michael keaton you know, it, it's a revelation. I'm, I'm sorry, Michael Keaton's been fucking great for like nearly 30 years. It's it's not a fucking surprise that Michael Keaton is brilliant. You can go back to Beetlejuice and go, look, there's Michael Keaton being fucking brilliant. It's just that he doesn't do that much nowadays. Um, you've also got Edward Norton finally coming back and proving that he is a fucking great actor. Um, there's moments in this where he's a bit goofy and he's a bit zany and everything like that where he's perfectly serviceable Ed Norton but then there's the moments where he's actually got something with a bit more bite and a bit more about it to do and it reminds you fuck that's the Ed Norton that we that we wanted that we want now that that you you don't give us a fucking enough of um you watch great performances from uh, Emma Stone although the fucking girl needs to fucking eat a sandwich uh, Andrew Riseborough is as great as Andrew Riseborough always is. Uh, Naomi Watts plays pathetic wonderfully well. Um, it, it's just a fucking great barrel of laughs um, throughout its entire runtime. It, it's it, it's a film that seems to take itself incredibly serious while also never taking itself seriously, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. It's coming up, so... It's coming up, oh, sorry, yeah. I, I wouldn't have been able to see which of the was coming up, sorry about that. No, no, that's no, alright, don't worry, I'll slide you, say your piece, it's all good. Uh, yes, um, so, uh, your number six, Ian. Yeah, so my number six is Spike Jonze's Her, um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a film that I kind of thought at the start of the year might, well, um, this and another one that's coming up would, would, would you know, stay the course and be up the, the, the upper the upper echelons, and I mean, it has remained to be the case, um, even though I, I think there have been some films that have kind of gone past it for me. Um, the, the I, I, you know, the production design of the film is, is is something that really sticks in my head. Weirdly, just the way that it's kind of like it's it's the future, but it also feels pretty present day at, at the same time. You know, I, I, there's a wonderful kind of. It almost seems like it might be an alternate universe real, uh, version of now, let alone ten years in, in the future. Um, but I mean, Joaquin Phoenix is uh, dependably great in it. Um, Scarlett Johansson, it, 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 you know, her vocal performance is absolutely spot on. I would have loved to have heard the Samantha Morton version, but I'm I'm happy with what we've got here. And uh, I like the way that he does. He doesn't just go all in with the uh, with uh, with her um, all the way through the film as well. Like, he tries more kind of human forms of dating. You've got, they've got the sequence of Olivia Wilde, for instance. Um, but then all the way through, you've got Amy Adams kind of in the background as well. It, it's um, it, it feels... I mean, it's a very, very human film. It does feel like it's probably Spike Jonze's most personal film. And, uh, you know, it, it's... It's got a weird melancholy loveliness to it, which um, I, I think is very affecting. So uh, yeah, yeah, it's um, it's it's still in there. I'm, I'm actually I wanted to rewatch it before year's end, but I kind of had higher priorities. But um, never mind, it's it's pretty high nonetheless. Yeah, it, it's a film that 
I think I watched early, early on in the year. Um, I, I didn't really get on with that. Well, it, 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 it's a very good film, but I think I, I'll definitely need to rewatch it at some point to see where I actually finally kind of sit on it. I just not got round to it. Oh, fair enough. Uh, my number six. Uh, we are number six. Yeah, we are number six, aren't we? Yeah. Uh, is uh, a movie that, that kind of seems to have got forgotten about, but then it seems to be cropping up on a lot of best of lists. Uh, and it's John Michael McDonough's uh, Calvary, um, yeah. which I watched. Uh, I wasn't a massive fan of the guest. Um, I not the guest, uh, the guard, um, because uh, it, it just it didn't sit well with me. I know uh, you were quite a big fan of the guard, weren't you? Uh, yeah, I like the guard. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it didn't quite sit well. I, I found its um, its its casual racism came across to me as just being just basic racism, and I, and I thought it wallowed in that a little bit too much. So I, I, from the trails of Calvary, I, I was worried that that, that that might happen with this. Um, but with Calvary, it is just it's a deeply deeply unpleasant movie and it revels yeah. in the unpleasantness of all of these people it's like and it very much basically sets its stall out of saying uh, that you've got Brendan Gleeson plays um, the father of James in, in it and it basically says look he's a very ordinary guy but he's, he's quite a good guy uh, and in the, the opening is, is that great scene of, of the you know him being told I'm going to kill you I'm going to kill you because you're a good guy you know killing a bad priest that's something but killing a good priest that'll get their attention yeah, and yeah. It, it, it's it's that piece of it um, that, that kind of that comes across and he does just come across as a good guy but not an overtly really overly nice guy or anything like that he's just an a nice guy, uh, and then he's confronted with all of this nastiness, these various. I mean, you, you get the sense he, he might have been a bit of a bastard yeah. in the past because he came to priest uh, the priesthood relatively late, late on, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then you've, you've got almost like these different virtues of the hiddenness of, of, of humanity. You know, you've got you know Chris O'Dowd. You know, he's surface level nice, but underneath it all, he's just a he's a bit of a snarky bastard, you know, he's aware of, you know, what his wife's doing, he just doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, and then yeah. you've got his wife, and she's the, you know, she's the nasty, she wants to flaunt uh, the fact that she's very open about her, her sexualness to the priest to try and embarrass him, and when he doesn't get embarrassed, she tries to go over, and then you've got Dylan Moran, who is just, he, he almost wants to show off his corruption, to uh, Father James and you've got the same with Aidan Gillen's character who wants to antagonise him by questioning you know and saying you know I'm a, I'm a doctor I'm closer I've been a god than you'll ever be and all of this just overt nastiness coupled with just very good writing and an overbearing sense of hideousness that really really works very well and it's held together by Brendan Gleeson just being a fucking great actor uh, it, it did take me by surprise at quite how good it is, uh, and for a long time it, it was it was it was higher up in my list. But if I'm honest, it, 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 I thought it might have been higher up. But then when I was making my ten, it is probably uh, with Under the Skin. It's probably the movie that I will watch least, and so therefore it, it has sort of there have been a few movies that have crept in above it. <clears throat> so yeah so that was at Calvary 
Hi, Father. Jack. Could I have a word? In private. Sounds ominous. <laughs> Where's Johnny Cochran when you need him, huh? Locked in here, we'll have to make love to keep warm. <laughs> I had a word there with Veronica, Jack. You're out of the house, are you? Is everything all right? Everything's fine. I mean, no, everything's not fine. Mass on Sunday? With the shades and everything? Oh, that. Yes, that. Are you laying into her or what's going on? That wasn't me, no. No, no, that's that black fella that she's been seeing. I mean, the current fella she's been seeing. Sorry, I didn't mean to be racist there. That was a slip of the tongue. You're saying he beats her up? Don't quote me on it, but that's what I'm assuming. Yeah. She speaks in riddles half of the time. I can't make any sense out of her. I think she's bipolar. Or lactose intolerant. One of the two. I don't know where I am with her anymore, Father. And if I'm honest with you, I'm kind of glad to have her off my hands. Even if this new fella's knocking her about? But what's that to do with me? What? <laughs> Not everyone can carry the weight of the world. Uh, what is your number five of the year? Yeah, Birdman. Um, ah. So, yeah, saw this on um, saw this on New Year's Day myself. Twenty twenty five past eleven in the morning showing, and uh, there, there was a, quite a few people in there. I mean, it was New Year's Day, so maybe not that much of a surprise. But um, then again, you know, people nursing hangovers and whatnot. I think a two hour. Um, bollocking um, is uh, maybe <laughs> yeah. not not what you want to go and see, and that's that's the thing I'm I kind of I'm most impressed by with the film. It basically wants to actively criticise both those in it and those in the audience for two hours. Um, and I mean, like listening to um, there was an interview with um, Inaritu on um, the Radio Four show, the film program. Um, you can get a, it, it is podcastable um, where. He's basically saying he's sick of what films are these days. My kids watch these superhero films and they learn nothing from them, blah, blah, blah. And on the outside, it kind of seems like, right, it's going to be two hours of being preached to about how we're all bad film viewers and how society's going down the shitter. And there are aspects of that, but I think it's... And and while it is very critical of the current state of cinema, I think it... um, is critical of those who of, of those being high-minded, making those critiques at the same time. Yeah, he's um, critical of his own point, yeah, essentially yeah. as well. Yeah, he looks yeah. at it from the other angle as well. Yeah, which is which is good because otherwise the film, may, you know, could have could have fallen down. But the thing is, it, like you said, it is just very very entertaining all the way through, and it's one of the most technically impressive films I've seen this year as well. Um, I mean, some of some of the cuts, you know, because it's famously it looks like it's pretty much all one take, and so, some of the cuts are uh, a, a little ob- uh, a little obvious. But you know, it's it just the, the the kind of the nature of opening a door, and you know, there's just the the, the next bit, and it just it. If it was one take, it would just be a massive set, but it's obviously not. And um, the the way that it. It, it, it kind of the one take makes it feel woozy about time as well. Like uh, there's a sequence where Riggan is in his dressing room and then the, the camera kind of like swings around and then suddenly there's a bunch of uh, press in there interviewing him. Mm. Um, and it, it just like the, the, the way it, 
you, you know, when you when you first see that, I don't know about you, but I was thinking, like, is this a flashback or or, or, or what exactly is this? And I think that the the, the 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 time frame is all linear, but it just mm. scenes that would normally start and stop don't. Yeah. They just continuously flow, and uh, it, it's a really really eye catching way of telling this story. I mean, think, I think without it, the story would have been would have been uh, you know good enough. But I think it's the it, it, it's the technical nature of how it looks and how that plays out that I think pushes it over the top into best of the year kind of um, uh, contention for me. It's uh, I mean, obviously we both think it's a really strong film, but I mean it just. It, I was amazed by how much of a pleasure it actually was to watch. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, one thing I did actually forget to mention on Mike, it's one of my favourite scores of the year in terms of the way yeah. it's used in the movie. The way that it constantly, the score constantly feels like a theatre band rehearsing in the background. Sure. And that worked so well throughout it. Yeah, I mean, because so, I've seen some people say that the, the, the score is a bit obnoxious and gets in the way, and I never found that to be the case. No, it no, just no. it just threw all along very nicely. I thought. Um, I, I mean, oh Christ, I wouldn't want to listen to it outside of the film. Yeah, but, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, but as a as a a score within a movie, I thought it, it fit the movie so well because anybody who's worked uh, in theatre, that's a familiar noise. Sure. Uh, for when you're walking around, is the band obnoxiously rehearsing all of the fucking time? Mm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's so. Yeah, I mean, there you go. I mean, it fits into the mood. Well, obviously, it kind of fits in for, like a, a real world point uh, sense as well. It, yeah, it's just it's it's a great film and um, good on Ine because I, to be honest, I kind of didn't think he had it in him uh, to, uh, to make something like this, and yet here, here we are. You know. Um, yeah, it, 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 it you know it, it could have been nails on chalkboard in another yeah. world, but as as is, it's it's really not. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I thoroughly agree with that. It could have gone the other way. <laughs> mm, absolutely. Uh, cool. Uh, my number five is a movie which I'm surprised that I got a lot higher than you have, to be honest. Okay. Because I think when we reviewed it, I think you. I think you enjoyed it a bit more. Or it came across that you enjoyed it more than I did, but it's a film that really has stayed with me. Um, it's Gone Girl. Um, okay. I it's it's a funny film, Gone Girl, because I think it, it, it took me a while to work out how much I actually enjoyed it. Um, and I remember when I, when I came out of it, um, Becky said, "What what did you think?" And I said to her, um, "I don't know." I don't know whether I didn't like it or I really, really liked it. And I think I, I, I really liked it. But as sort of like a few months have gone by, I, I, I'm now at the point where I fucking really, really like it. It's a, an incredibly overbearing and tense movie. Um, that also, it's, it fools you into thinking, or, or I did at the time, that it's about Ben Affleck, uh, and it's about the way that his character deals with his wife's disappearance and then reappearance and everything like that. And it's not; it's it's, it's actually uh, Rosamund Pike's story. Uh, sure. And the first bit is showing you uh, the start of it in the first sort of forty minutes is, is essentially building up to show you why she's done what she's done, and then it flips itself on its head and goes 
do you know all these reasons why she's done what she's done because of all of the things that Ben Affleck did and everything like that and then it flips on it goes actually no the reasons why she's done what she's done is because she's batshit no fucking other reason than she's batshit she's batshit she's ferociously intelligent and she is narcissistic as fuck and she has done it because she gets off on it why mm. the fuck not and then the compounding thing is is that Ben Affleck gets to the point of where he goes shit she's completely fucked me over and she's done all of this and then it hits him oh my god but it's just made me actually fall in love with her fuck yeah, the, that moment uh, from him this, yeah the scene when she changes her mind when she's watching that interview and then like she sees oh shit he's playing this game as well yeah. oh I like this it, uh, you know it is it is such a fucked up I mean the thing is people say like the final 20 minutes half hour it, it is and, like a bit anticlimactic and whatnot no, no it's not, no, it's, not. It's, it's so deliciously what the fuck the, uh, I mean, and the ending—it just—it's—it's it's crazy. I mean, you know, it's—it's it's a film I'm really looking forward to rewatching. And I did, yeah, I remember liking it more than you. It just—I—I I, I mean, it's a five—it's a five out of five film for me. I guess like there are other films that I—I I kind of yeah. feel are more for me. Also, well, great. Um, um supporting performances um, I do think Neil Patrick Harris still feels a little bit like he's just playing Neil Patrick Harris um, in everything uh, so it, that did kind of take me out a little, a little bit at points but um, great performances from um, Tyler Perry which is fucking weird because he's a terrible yeah. actor uh, yeah. Kim Dickens is fantastic and Patrick Fugit is, is, is brilliant in it um, I think I might end up uh, re-watching it tonight actually because uh, I know Becky really wants to watch it uh, so I might end up giving it a rewatch tonight but yeah uh, number five uh, didn't expect it to be in, in my top um, five to be honest Um but it's it just the fact that it stayed with me and it's grown on me without a second watch uh, has put it there. Thank uh, you. Cool, right. So, uh, biggest disappointments, Ian. Um, but before we go into, go into the way I'm going to explain for how I judge mine is what I expected going into it versus what I got out of it. So, these are not necessarily films that are bad, they're just films that I expected a lot more out of. Yeah. Uh, where expectation took over. So, Ian, do you want to give me your number five uh, disappointment? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll bash through these because I realise we're like, over halfway through our time and in our lists we're only halfway through. So, uh, um, yeah, the double, uh, the Richard Ayoade film, because I, I, I very much enjoyed Submarine, but... Um, didn't get on with it it's all kind of just made my teeth itch I found it really annoying and um, I, it had an air of being above its station for me and uh, took itself very seriously really wish it didn't I, I just didn't get on with it at all so yeah doubles my number five Cool. Uh, my number five. I'm still not seeing the double, uh, based on the fact that I was actually quite looking forward to it, and that everybody, almost everybody, has said it's shit. So I haven't watched it. Uh, it's one of those ones where I'll get around it at some point, but I'm I'm not in any big rush um, to, to, to to jump on board with it. Uh, my number five biggest disappointment is a film that I actually mentioned earlier. Um, and it, it kind of segues quite nicely it, or kind of uh, marries it quite nicely with my number five surprise and it, it's three days to kill um, and the reason why I'm disappointed in it is 
not that I have any reason, it's a Luke Besson written movie, and it's directed by McGee. Um, so, straight away, there's like, there is two things that, that shouldn't make you want to build up to a film, but I really thought this could be Kevin Costner's Taken, and it just turned out to be just thoroughly fucking dull. It's just a complete non-entity of a movie at all. It's not bad enough to be in my worst movies, but it's by no means anywhere near good enough to be in my best movies. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's shit. Three Days to Kill is not a very good film. No, it, 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 it's not. And I, I really wanted it to be a lot better than it was. But yeah, it's so you're right. Yeah. Um, uh, my number four, David Michaud's The Rover. It was my film I went to see in the cinema on my 30th birthday. Um, so, yeah, I was kind of hoping for good things based on that. But also, you know, I really rate Animal Kingdom. And you've got 90 minutes of Guy Pearce driving around the desert with Robert Pattinson not being very good. Um, Guy Pearce really wanting his car back. Why does he want his car back? For a really, really, almost feels like it's a joke ending that, and it just, I, yeah, it, the, the, the rover, there's, I just, there's not, the atmospherics, it, it's got it, you know, it's got that dirty Australian landscape kind of thing, but it just, it feels, it feels like this was David Michaud's first film and Animal Kingdom was his more impressive second film, not the other way round. Um, I'm not surprised it kind of seems to have already been forgotten because it kind of deserves it. Yeah, again, not seen it, and I fucking adore it. Animal Kingdom was my number three movie of that year, so I'm, I'm, I, but I just can't go up there enthusiasm to watch it, to be honest. Yeah, it just, I, it, it's not a good time. It, it's, a, it's hard to sit through it, not because of anything on screen, but just because it's a slog. And, uh, yeah, I was really disappointed. Yeah, uh, my number four disappointment is the um, Annabelle, uh, which is purely in there because I really like The Conjuring. Um, was really looking forward to this spin-off. I really like the Insidious movies. Uh, I think that the um House are doing some really sort of good movies sort of around this kind of thing. Uh, and then it, what I got was... A, 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 a fucking a straight to DVD VOD level uh, of, of of horror movie. Um, I know we said about VOD now with the stigma it has, uh, in, but this was quite a widely released movie. You know, it, it made a shit ton of fucking money as well. All fucking power to it, but it just felt so weak to me, to be honest. Yeah, I don't think you're right. It, it almost made my top five surprises. Did it? Um, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I just just didn't get on with it. I, I, you know, I didn't think it was any great shakes, but I mean, like, we did, I mean, the fuck, listen to the review, we had Noel on for the review as well, just listen no, to that, no. let's move on. Fuck it, I've just started talking about it. Yeah. Alright, um, are we recording? Uh, yes, my thing's got said recording. Alright, cool, so, um, yeah, strange fellow, everybody says, um, Amer is great and incendiary cinema and, it, you know, it's, it's very tight, it knows what it's doing. This one, it felt like they just, didn't really know what they were doing. They just thought the visuals would be enough. Uh, there's barely any story to it whatsoever. By the end, you're just thinking, what was that about then? And it, 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 it doesn't tell a story at all in any way, whereas a mayor did entirely visually, but me visually and audibly, whereas this, uh, I don't know, it's as welcome as a fart in an elevator. It's, it's very disappointing. 
Yeah, it, it, yeah, yeah, it's, it, it will come up and I'll talk about it very briefly later but, on. Uh, um, my uh, number three disappointment uh, is Kevin Smith's Tusk. Um, I will constantly on about the fact that I'm a, a Kevin Smith fanboy. Uh, I am a complete apologist for being a Kevin Smith fanboy. Um, but uh, this movie absolutely shits the bed once uh, Johnny Depp turns up and just turns in his standard bullshit performance uh, nowadays. And it ends up just becoming essentially Johnny Depp trying to turn it into a Peter Sellers movie. And it, it just kills the movie for me. If I, if I, yeah, I mean, like, if it was ten years ago, Kevin Smith and I watched Tusk, it would have been on my disappointing thing. But these days, I don't really expect anything from him. So, it, you know, it, it is, it is what it is. But it's not, it's not a good film. And then we reviewed it, so refer back to that. Yeah, yeah, not very good at all. Go on, then. What's your number two disappointment? Muppets Most Wanted seems to entirely forget what made the first one so charming and goes with obvious dance numbers, really lame jokes, barely any charm whatsoever. Um, I don't know. It it just, I mean, it didn't do very well at the box office, and I'm kind of glad uh, for that. It's it's so weird that just taking Jason Segel out of the writing equation made the film so demonstrably worse, but it it, it was. I, I love... The Muppets, the the film of a few years ago. I love it, love it, love it. This, I you know, I doubt I'll ever see it again unless I'm watching it with Lottie, frankly. So yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, another one I've, I've just not seen because I just I enjoyed the Muppets, but then everyone seems to say that this is the movie that everyone expected the Muppets to be, and was surprised yeah. and it was great, and it was like shit. And plus, I, I don't want Ricky Gervais to lead me through a fucking movie. No. Um, right, uh, my number two disappointment, my number one and my number two might piss people off, um, is my number two biggest disappointment is Captain America the Winter Soldier. Um, <laughs> You're wrong, but go on. This was sold to me as it's like a 70s espionage thriller, and what I got was a Marvel movie just another Marvel movie that just felt like every other Marvel movie that was perfectly serviceable while I was watching it. It was 25 minutes, half an hour too long. And then by the time it finished, I went, I don't remember what happened. Mm. Don't remember what happened. I remember enjoying it enough while I was watching it. But if you were to say to me, oh, what happened in Cats and the Winter Soldier? I would say something crashed into a city and things happened uh hedra yeah that happened why not uh and there's just it, it's one of those things it, at the end of the day it's a blockbuster superhero movie so it's not something you want to start getting fucking snippy about but there are the the, the over story about hedra infiltrating shield doesn't make fucking sense and it just, for the amount it had been built up by people, when I actually watched it, I just felt, oh, was that it at the end yeah. of it? Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's as good as a lot of people seem to think it, 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 it was, but I still had a really good time with it, and I think you're nuts, but hey. Yeah, uh, but then again, I will freely uh, admit that I just... I, 
find herself feeling a little cold a lot of the times with the Marvel movies, to be honest. They just they just don't get me the way that other people they get other people. I'm not gonna get sniffy about it, I'm not gonna start saying this shit and anything like that. They're not. They just they just don't grab me as much as the people. I'm glad they grab other people. Galaxy was in your honourable mentions, you know, you obviously don't have an anti Marvel Exactly, yeah, I I I don't and I I I would go into them hoping that they're all good, but it just just doesn't get me. Fair enough. Uh, right, go then. What is your number one biggest disappointment? Godzilla. Ah, I can, I can yeah. Yeah, it just... Um, the trailers were absolutely amazing. The idea of the guy who directed Monsters being given the keys to, like, a, a, a massive blockbuster property uh, was genuinely exciting. And it was a really interesting cast. And you got a couple of good sequences, even though, to be fair, the, the big, great sequence, the Halo jump, was in the bloody trailer anyway. Um, and then the, the, the rest of it, you've got... I mean, I, um, what this critic who I don't go on with his re- writing and tweets at the best of times, David Ehrlich, called it the first <laughs> post-human blockbuster. And it's just... I don't care about post-human blockbusters. I'm a human, <laughs> and I'm only ever going to live in a world of humans, frankly. So let's have this film actually have some humans I give a fuck about instead of um, I- instead of Aaron Taylor-Johnson, who I read the other day, apparently Ga- uh, Gareth um, Edwards wanted Scoot McNary, mm. um, but the studio were like, who's Scoot McNary, basically? I would have been really interested to see what Scoot McNary could have brought to it, because Aaron Taylor-Johnson is just the wettest army man you've ever seen. Not once does he ever convince as being in that role. Elizabeth Olsen is reduced to being on a phone. Juliette Binoche has apparently come out and said how unhappy she was that she came on to do this film, signed on, then found out she was killed in the first ten minutes. Yeah, well, um, read it, the fucking it, script on that one. You know, Brian Cranston is the most interesting thing about the film. Not, I mean, not even Godzilla is as interesting. And he gets killed off at the end of the first act. It's just, it's a film of bad decisions. And it's such a shame, because there, there, the elements should be working, and yet you just get that film. Um, I, 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 I genuinely was just a bit heartbroken coming out of it. I haven't seen it a second time. I just, I can't I won't. face doing it. I, I, I wouldn't watch it a second time if I were you. Uh, I, I, I actually really quite enjoyed it the first time. Uh, but um, it just, uh, yeah, the second time... It, it, I saw a lot of the things that I managed to ignore the first time when I got caught up in the whole enjoyment of watching it. Um, and I think that people need to realise that um, Alan Taylor Johnson, uh, it, 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 if he was as talented an actor as he was pretty, then he'd be a great actor. But it, it, he's it, just it, not. He, he's not got as much charisma as people seem to think that he does. Is the Sam Worthington or Joy Courtney that people seem to be okay with? Yeah. Like, because of kick To make him a star, and it's not quite working, but for some reason people don't seem to give him shit about it. Mm. Because of kick 
Yeah, probably. I mean, I, I think him in Avengers is basically going to be his last. Let's see if I can actually like get in on the blockbuster game. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I, and I mean, I'm intrigued to see what him and Olsen do in Avengers. I must say, I mean, I don't know. In in Whedon, I trust when it comes to that film. So you know, we'll see. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, right. My number one, uh, a disappointment. Uh, and again, remember, this goes back to. I'm not saying this is a bad film. I'm just saying it disappointed me because it had been built up, and I expected, I expected this film to be troubling my top ten, possibly my top five. And when it finished, I thought that probably even in my top twenty-five. Mm. Uh, and it's Foxcatcher. Do you know what? Yeah, man. Um, I gave it a four out of five, but. I, I, I give it a four out of five. To be I, I went into it expecting it to trouble my top ten. No fucking way. No way at all. What I'll say about Foxcatcher uh, with this is, if you know the, the thing is, is it is based on a true story. Uh, these are real people. Uh, that we're getting real events. Um, very similar to what he did with uh, Moneyball, uh, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, so much better than Foxcatcher. Sorry, go on. Oh, yes, absolutely, yeah. And the same thing he did with Capote. Again, so much better than Foxcatcher. Um, but what we get almost is like a skimming of a Wikipedia page of what happened. It never delves enough into the actual events of what happened. It never explains the the um the issues uh of John DuPont's character beyond him just feeling a little bit egotistical and rejected. It never delves into it, it brushes over a surface that oh yeah, he might have had a drug problem. Oh yeah, he might have had a drink problem. Oh yeah, he had mummy issues. Oh yeah, he had psychological problems. But it never delves into those. It brushes over everything. Uh, and gives us the absolute minimum we need to, to to get on board with this overbearing styling and this overbearing feeling that the movie has, which the movie does have. But that is carried over by being competently directed and very well acted. Steve Carell is very good in this, but it is it is two parts impression and one part really good performance i'm not saying it's not a good performance but we need to get past people wearing prosthetics doesn't make their performance better it makes the makeup department better but it doesn't elevate their performance just because you know in this year we saw steve carell doing anchorman 2 and saw steve carell doing this and they're at diametric opposites steve carell much the same as, as michael keaton he's a good actor it isn't a surprise that he's a good actor and he's very good in this but it is not a performance for the ages it's just a very solid performance from a very talented actor yeah i mean it's the, the, the thing that I found with the film, I mean, I, 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 enjoy, I, I it sounds like I enjoyed it more than you. I thought the overbearing style actually worked pretty well for it. But the, what I would say is that the characters basically are who they are at the beginning and who they are at the end. There's no real progression. I mean, like, at the start, 
you know Steve Carell's character is a loner, outsider guy. He's not going to fit in anywhere. And you know he's got mummy issues. And Channing Tatum's character, you know he's envious of his brother and he can't, um, he can't make plain what he's feeling, you know. And I mean, I will say as well, Mark Ruffalo, a lot, a lot of people are going, oh, the secret weapon is Mark Ruffalo. I'm not, I, I don't get that. He's fine. Um, I didn't find it to be anything more than he's the, the one that everybody idolizes and, you know, but he's a family man. I just, it, 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 the film, it didn't really feel like it was really telling me anything I couldn't already glean from the opening. And as well, I think if you know the story, it, you're yeah. watching it going, and I, I, I read a, a thing in, um, Sports Illustrated actually, uh, about Foxcatcher, uh, about, the, about what the events the um, that happened within Foxcatcher about three, four years ago. So, so I, I I knew the story, not like in depth or anything like that, but I knew how it ended essentially. So I didn't have that 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 surprise of that. And while I was watching it, I was going, "Are they building it as something that's actually a true story? Mm. Are they trying to get a spoiler, in, a, 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 a a twist in a true story? It, it doesn't make sense." It just, like I say, it's a good movie. It's just nowhere. It, it's just nowhere near as good as, as as some people seem to think it is. Yeah, I mean, it seems like um, in, in terms of Oscars, it it kind of seems like it, it's cooling off a bit yeah. on it. And I'm I'm I just I'm not surprised. I'm I'm really not surprised. And um, I mean, looking at I mean, just looking at Letterboxd and looking at the average ratings, like. The two most popular ratings are three point five and four. Yeah, and I'm right there. I am right. There. I am right there. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think on my letterbox, I've started using letterbox again. Um, I think I give it. I give it three and a half or four. Yeah, I I just re- uh, uh, taken my review down from a four to a three point five. Um, just just on just on, on on in this talk basically, it just. It's good. It is good, but you do you are expecting it to smack you in the face, and it never, ever, ever, ever does. No. Right. Um, cracking back into it. Uh, so, so not reviewing Foxcatcher next week because we just bloody did it. Yes, we did. Um, instead, you'll be getting a, a quality review of Taken. Taken three. Yes. <laughs> we'll be the only podcast reviewing that movie. <laughs> Fuck it, I'm looking forward to I it. I am actually as well, yeah. Um, okay, Ian, uh, hit me with your number four of the year. Okay, my number four is a film we reviewed on the show earlier in the year. Um, it, and, uh, yeah, I rewatched it because um, uh, Ivan, the editor of um, Vodzilla, said, oh, do you fancy giving this uh, a watch and reviewing it? I was like, yeah, all right then. And uh, Life Itself um, is now in my top ten, which I wasn't thinking it would be before I went. Uh, I rewatched it, and it just—it's—it's um, it's a film that is absolutely full of real, genuine, authentic human feeling. Um, if it—I mean, for the love of film, for the love of family, and just for in sheer human empathy. Uh, I mean, James and Ebert obviously had quite a close relationship, and that enabled James to get quite a lot of access. There's stuff in this film that you just would not imagine most people being willing to show, let alone even like actually say, "Oh, that was some great footage." You know, uh, you know, uh, that was great suction. I think Roger Ebert actually kind of emailed Steve James to say, and uh, yeah, I mean, it just it's it's really a heartbreaking, but also quite life affirming. And after 
uh, watching it. I've, I've actually started reading the book as well, and um, I'm, I'm I'm kind of ready for more reboot now. It just um, yeah, and also on this one, to be honest, the two hours just kind of melted away. Um, I I I I I had a great deal of affection for this film, and uh, more so than I did first time round. So it's uh, it's weird what second watches do sometimes, but it really really clicked for me better this time, and I'm I'm happy to have it here. Good. Uh, yeah, I thoroughly enjoy life itself when I watched it, yeah. Nice. Uh, my number four is uh, Nightcrawler, uh, uh-huh. the Dan Gilroy movie, uh, which is basically just Jake Gyllenhaal channeling um, various different um, 70s um, Americana films and giving us a real great sort of uh, insight into um, the modern journalism's acceptance uh, that everything has to be shock value and everything has to be blown up and we have to show misery because that's what people want. Um, um, she has what's probably more life-altering for him than his TV show. She really, really liked him for what he was and not who he was. She changed his life immeasurably. She changed his personality Hey, I was eight months pregnant and Roger grabbed the cab in front of me in New York. <laughs> it's not that kind of guy now. I think Gene was so happy that Roger found his mate. He was 50 years old when we got married. He used to tell me, I waited just about all my life to find you. And I'm glad I did. And I'm never going to let you go. I mean. Okay, uh, we are kind of back. Uh, although, as you're listening to it, we will have actually never been aware. Uh, we are actually recording this portion of the show from here on until the end of the show. Actually, a week on. Um, because uh, what happened, Ian? Ian, what happened? <laughs> yeah, so I don't, I, like, I've got to do the editing on this one, and that's going to be a fun job. But um, basically... We were recording and um, Donna comes up and um, she's got Lottie and Lottie had something that turned out to be a, car- a carpet, piece of carpet fabric wrapped around her toe and it had cut off the blood supply to her toe and was cutting into her and it was kind of bleeding. So it was like, shit. So Q having to go to two hospitals um, because the first one said they're going to need to put her under uh, anest- general anaesthetic because they can't remove it because she's kicking off so much. The second one, are just like, nah, we'll just try a bit harder. And <laughs> did it. Wow. Um, essentially. So, uh, yeah, we were, um, we got home at 4am, which was awesome. And amazingly, Lottie's sleep cycle didn't get too fucked the next day. So, uh, yeah, so, um, and then basically, uh, we couldn't kind of coordinate times in the week. No. So, you know, we've, we're recording now, and in the interim, you know, we've watched more stuff. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> my, my top, my top ten has changed, um, even though basically, it's not anything that's going in where we've already spoken about, but basically the guest is no longer my number ten, but I'm glad I got to talk about it, um, and everything else shifts back a place, and there is a film that I will be slotting in. Um, even though I will just say quickly, I watched the Imitation Game and the Theory of Everything. Fantastic acting, but they're not they're not films of the year. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, 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 I'm looking at both of them. Um, 
I'll be honest, I have no in, uh, interest at all in watching uh, The Theory of Everything. It looks like a massive puff piece that will shh, that will not delve anywhere near as far into the story as, as they could, we'll yeah, say. Sure. Uh, and The Imitation Game, it, 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 it looks like a lot of British actors putting on even more British accents uh, in a very British film. Yeah, 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 pretty much. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I have uh, I've watched some of the stuff uh, as well. Um, so yeah, so uh, my mine has actually changed a little bit as well. Uh, Under the skin has dropped out of my top ten, um, and uh, something else has crept in um into it so i've actually now got an extra film i need to talk about because yeah. <laughs> um, it's crept in there but i i think uh, where we were finished off was i was about to start talking about my number four i believe uh so do you want me to cue in and start talking about that then? yeah why not i eh? cool right uh, my number four uh is um dan gilroy's directorial debut nightcrawler uh a film that kind of I mean, well, for a start off, it, it, it's a Jake Gyllenhaal film, and I, I think, as an actor, I think he's just doing more and more interesting things uh, as as he goes along. He seems to have have really come into his own um, and become one of sort of like it, 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 the great character actors of of, of this time, um, certainly. And Nightcrawler is, on its surface, it'd be very kind of easy to. Um, to compare it to something like Taxi Driver, because it is, it does look sort of slightly Taxi Driver-esque, and you've got the fact that a lot of it happens at night, but I think when we spoke about it um, on the podcast, uh, we both mentioned that it, it was quite reminiscent of um, King of Comedy, um, actually, in terms of its its tone, and, uh, and it's kind of, you know, it, with the character Lee Bloom uh, being a little bit more unsettled and... Uh, he didn't quite seem like he fit into uh, a world, but he seemed very confident the world that he thought he fit into. Uh, and it's it's one of those things where it, it, it amps itself up and builds itself up and builds itself up, and it ends up being this really quite stark uh, and almost through kind of like the Looking Glass kind of film where it has it, it, it in, in a similar. Not in a similar way, but in a similar kind of idea to something strangely like Birdman, where it, it takes Birdman takes a look at um, sort of the, the the role of an actor and how they can become pigeonholed by a certain thing, and then you know it kind of becomes the consuming thing for them. With Nightcrawler, it looks at the, the you know the, it takes a sort of very magnified look at the idea of twenty four hour news and how it is actually. Um, it's it's now based around not what is the actual news about how you can make the actual news seem more than it actually is and you know the, the great scene where uh, they're towards the end where they're actually showing the footage that Lou shot in the the big murder house that runs through and you've got Mary Russo telling them to, you know coaching the um, anchor people to, uh, in what to say and they're they're building it up and everything like that and what's quite weird is, is when you um, when you watch uh, something like Nightcrawler uh, which takes a look at that and then you watch something like uh, Anchorman 2 which takes a spoof and satirical look at the creation of 24 Hours News 
24 hour news and how it, it essentially, it destroyed news and journalism and, and filled it with shock and ridiculousness. Uh, they almost become kind of quite good, um, I, I, two sides are sort of the same coin it's quite a strange one but yeah it, driven by a, a magnificently confident and staged performance by Jake Gyllenhaal I, I think Nightcrawler will be one of those films where it, it won't it won't crop up on any um, sort of awards lists or anything like that but I do think in, in sort of 10 years time it will still be a film where people look back on and go that's a fucking great film of, yeah. of, of that yeah I, I think it, it will stand the test of time um, whereas often you can get some films where they're a film of their time and they worked at that time and they were very good at that time but 10-15 years later nobody actually really talks about them that much I mean I think it's interesting that um, the, the kind of the reaction from it from inside the industry seems to be quite strong because it got a couple of surprise nominations at the mm. BAFTAs um, as did Paddington and good for it yeah, I, 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 see it. I, I really do, would like to see it, but I had not heard a bad word said about Paddington. Mm. So yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it was one of my kind of honourable mentions as well. I was very, mm. very pleased to hear that it, um, it, it kind of, like, um, it struck a chord. Um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 was a big, I was a big fan of Nightcrawler. Um, I... It's one that I've got a feeling I might even I, I might actually like more on a rewatch. In, in, mm. in fairness, I, um, I, I it was like a four point five out of five for me. Um, it, just, it didn't didn't quite. Actually, I don't think it was in my honourable mentions. Sorry, uh, no, Pannington was sorry, but uh, yeah, no, uh, a fan, and I'm looking forward to seeing it again. I must say. Yes, cool. Uh, right, uh, your number three, I believe. Yeah. yeah okay. So. Right. Okay. So this is actually my number four now. Right, yes, of course. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it is. Okay, so... Um, so, technically, Nightcrawler was number five, actually. <laughs> yeah, oh, fair enough, okay. Um, <laughs> right, so, yeah, I shifted back places, okay. So, my number four, uh, yeah, my number four, fucking hell, is um, Hayao Miyazaki's The Wind, Wind Rises, um, which I'm kind of sad that it, it's it's the one bloody film over the last couple of weeks that I've been meaning to watch, but then... I've had the opportunity to watch something new, so I've kind of watched the new thing instead. And it's like this was the the, the one other rewatch I wanted to do, but n- n- never mind. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm happy with where it is. Um, yeah, and it's it's a gorgeous film. Um, it it's it's like subtly complex. It being about a man who wants to design war machines, but doesn't want the war part of the machines. He just wants the elegance of the aircraft. Um, you know, there was kind of controversy when it when it first came out because people were saying that it was celebrating this man who basically engineered death. And, you know, it, it's the thing is, he didn't want to engineer the death. He just wanted to engineer the airplanes, you know. Um, and uh, it's I mean, the, the animation style is gorgeous. Um, the score by um, to, uh, sorry, Joe Takashi, I think his name is. Yeah. Um, is is one is just wonderful. There are the main theme in that film. It just st- is stuck in my head ever since I saw it. Um, and um, yeah, I, it's it's a lovely film. And you had um, the Kingdom of um, uh, uh, Dreams and Madness, which uh, which we reviewed on the show um, last month as well. Um, it's a lovely compliment to The Wind Rises. I think I think you know. Um, the the, uh, the the two characters the the lead in the Wind Rises and 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 Hayao Miyazaki uh, both complement each other very well and I think it's very very fitting that this is Hayao Miyazaki's last film I mean there was speculation that Ponyo was going to be his last film and I don't mm. think that would have been the one to go out on as much as I like Ponyo 
this feels like the final statement from a master filmmaker. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so yeah, my uh, my number four, The Wind Rises. Cool. My my number uh, four now then. Uh, my actual number four um, is. By the is way, Christ- you are, sorry, you are recording this, aren't you? Yes, I am. Okay, I think I am as well, but just in case, sorry. Yes, I am. Uh, my number four is um, Christopher Nolan's Interstellar, um, a movie that, that when the first sort of trailers started to land, which were sort of around November of not last year, the year before, uh, it, it, it the first trailer didn't do that much for me, and it. I was then. I, I mean, I'm, I'm a huge Christopher Nolan fan. I'm a huge Christopher Nolan. Um, I, I'd almost say, I was almost about to say the word apologist, but I really don't feel like I have the need to apologise for him because I genuinely do think he is one of the great filmmakers of our time. I know some people don't get on with his filmmaker or anything like that, but um, it, it doesn't bother me, to be honest. Uh, it, 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 it's become one of those things now, I think, where as I get older, I get very conscious of the fact that I don't watch films for the people to like them. I watch films for, for me to like them. Um, and Christopher Nolan's one of those ones where I often find people get quite quite snippy uh, about it if they don't like him. Like I, there's filmmakers I, I, out there I just don't like, um, but I'm happy for people to 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 like them. Whereas if you get someone who doesn't like Christopher Nolan, it, it, it's almost like that thing of how do you tell if someone's a vegetarian? You, you sit with them for five minutes and they'll fucking tell you. It's like that. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, 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 it's become like that. Um, with Interstellar, it was it was him taking I've on. I've heard that before. That's funny. Sorry. It, it, it's, it's one of those things. Um, it, with Chris Nolan, it, it was him taking on kind of like sci-fi. Um, and and definitely he certainly had um influences drawn from you know things like 2001 etc and, th- and things like that um, but it, it, what I adored about Interstellar is it, it is not all of it works uh, in Interstellar it doesn't all work but he's not resting back and sitting back on on his creativity Nolan, he is absolutely taking chances and with Interstellar he takes the film in a certain direction at a certain point which quite easily and quite understandably could lose many a people um, and not through fault of, of them not being able to follow it or anything like that but just it goes down a, a rabbit hole where you could see where people go, do you know what no, not for me. And, and I wouldn't be able to say, well, you're wrong. It, it just is, if you're on board, you'll go with it. And it's the confidence and the bravado to actually to do something like that. He's a very... You get the feeling that Nolan, you know, he's, he's never going to make a decision based around, well, I, I, I'd, I'd like to do this, but I, I don't know about that. He, he very much seems like a very assured filmmaker, yes. and what we're getting is what he wants to do. And because he's made an incredible amount of money, not only with a, a, a franchisable films with the Dark Knight films, but also Inception was was kind of his film where he said, um, you know, I made you a a bucket load of money with the Dark Knight. I'm going to make you a bucket load of money with the Dark Knight Rises. Can I have 150 million to make um, essentially an art house blockbuster with Inception? And he did, and then it made them a lot of money. So now it is he at the moment is in the keys. He has the keys to the fucking city. He can quite literally say, 
oh, I want to do this, and no one's going to go, oh, I, I want to do what? I kind of think his next one, he might get a bit more pushback on things, because Interstellar wasn't nearly as well handled, um, regarded uh, by critics or commercially uh, as expected you know i mean like still did just shy 700 million though yeah but i mean like the the budget was pretty huge as well on interstellar so it's like it it, it's not gonna lose any money but it's not i mean like inception made a shitload of money you know i mean uh, and i mean obviously the dark Knight trilogy made a shitload of money this is gonna make a lot of money but not a shitload of money so i kind of think maybe He's going to have to be a little bit careful because also, I mean, like the tide, I, you know, as always, it feels like the tide's turning a little bit, you know. I, I mean, it did with the Dark Knight Rises as well. Um, for some people, Nolan is, it's been two films since his last good one, you know, and I, it, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what his next move is because I think he had the keys to the kingdom with Interstellar. I don't think he's got the keys to the kingdom with the next one. I, I think that he's, He's made enough money. I mean, if 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 Interstellar would have been a flop or anywhere near being countable as a flop, I think it it might have. What is it? I think he might tone down anyway just to kind of have a bit of a break from what is it. But you know, Interstellar still will have will have tripled its budget. Yeah, but I mean, like you, you I, I okay. I'm intrigued now. I'm intrigued now. Box office mojo. Here we go. I want to see well, how much Inception made. Just uh, made uh, Inception made eight hundred off million off a budget of uh, one hundred and sixty. So that's like over five times its budget. You see, you see yeah. what you see what I'm saying. Oh, I see. see it, it didn't make quite as much as, as Inception, but I think it, it'll have still made enough for him to go. Do you know what? You can have another 160 million to make whatever you, you know, whatever you want. Yeah, yeah, no, sure. I just like, I, I, I think they might be a little bit more standoffish with him this time round. Mm, I'd be very surprised if, if, if he didn't get essential carte blanche to do whatever the fuck he wants. To be yeah, honest, it depends on the budget. That, yeah. I don't think they're going to give him 200 million and say do what you want this time. Yeah, but they didn't with, um, with Interstellar. How much was Interstellar? 165. Well, you know, one six five two hundred. When you get to that fucking realm, it's it's not that far away from each other, really, is it? Nah, but I mean, yeah, well, thirty five millions. Uh, you know, it's not not a lot, but it's yeah. <laughs> it's a sizable chunk. Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, no, no. Yeah, it's a sizable chunk. It's just like it, it's only like what less than twenty percent. Mm. Anyway, we're we're quibbling about fucking stupid stuff, so let's yeah. move on. Yeah, I, I, I just I, I I I think a lot of the the issues that people have with Interstellar were this growing anti Nolan brigade that's out there, and I just find it a little bit tiresome. Oh no, totally. Dude, don't do not get me wrong. It's on. I mean, fuck. It was one of my honourable mentions. You know, I, I do. Oh, very no, much so like it, the it, film. It, it's. I just, I just. I think that. This this will to have kind of to go against the grain from some people, not all people. Some people just don't don't get on with these films, and that's fine. But there were you you, you could have I could have picked five or six people who I knew were not going to like that film. Sure, 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 sure. Uh, and it was based around they probably and I would say out of those they probably did like it. They were just being 
contrary. Uh huh. Yeah. I, there is a lot of that to, towards Nolan. What is your number three? Three, yes. Um, number three is Wes Anderson's The Grand Budapest Hotel, uh, which I um, get a great deal out of more and more every single time, uh, which is what I uh, do love about it. Um, the first time I saw it, it was a four out of five. The second time I saw it, it was a 4.5. I rewatched it last week, five out of five. Um, I have no problems whatsoever with the Grand Budapest Hotel uh, at, at this moment. I Every single time there's something in the visuals that I notice. Um, there, I mean, this time I know, uh, there was one bit where when they arrive at the kind of the, 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 the monastery uh, where they're going to meet Matu uh, Amarik. Uh, oh, no, actually, no, it's where Willem Dafoe is at, like a petrol station. And this guy says, are you here for the something or other or the something or other? And then he's standing by signposts. It says left the one thing right the other I don't know it's just it's clever shit like that that um that I I I, I, I get a lot out of with this um do 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 um yeah I just I, I have a really good time with it um that Ray Fiennes is amazing I'm very glad he got some love from BAFTA and you know touch what he might get some from Oscar um uh, it, 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 it's it, I don't know his way with language language and his way with casual swearing is amazing uh, I, I cannot get enough of that. So, uh, yes, great. Um, what else? Uh, well, I mean, 
the supporting cast. Sorry, it's just, I'm mindful of the fact that we we need to start recording the other show as well tonight. So it's like <laughs> I, I'm, I'm kind of slightly speeding through. But I mean, like it's it's just it's visually it's delightful. Uh, Alexandre Desplat's score is amazing. You can listen. You know, I was saying earlier on, I listened. Uh, mm. Listening to the, well, last week, I was listening to the Under the Skin score, score, and I felt like a serial killer listening. To it. <laughs> yeah. um, I can listen to this this sound, uh, score on Spotify, and it's just it's lovely. It's just lovely background music. Um, so yeah, I just I think it's wonderful. It's really really funny, and it's so charming, and I love that there, there were you know the the end where he just mentions oh you know um a spoiler alert um Saoirse Ronan's character just uh, got the uh, got a plague and died along with his infant son and you know it's just mentioned casually because that's not the focus of the story the focus of the sto- story is uh Gustav H and it, it and and this murder mystery it, it one it's just wonderful it's great I need to watch rewatch the Grand Budapest Hotel yeah you do I do because when I watched it and when we reviewed it, um, I said that I found it perfectly all right. And it's cropped up on a lot of kind of best of lists. And every time I see it, I think, I can't think of anything. But personally, this is that stands out to me about it. And I'm not saying it's a bad film. I'm not saying it, it, I don't understand it. It's terrible. But it, it's just I can't remember it <laughs> at all. Um, I need to give it a rewatch because it's it's a funny one because I say it's cropped up on so many lists. Every time I see it on a list, I, my brain just goes, "What? I don't understand it." I don't. It's a funny one, Grand Budapest Hotel for me. I don't. I don't. I, I just think that for some reason it just it it hasn't it didn't click with me. Uh, and I'm, glad, I'm glad everyone else got a great amount out of it, but I, I need to give it a rewatch to find out if it was just I was in a funny mood that day or anything. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I frankly, the, well, I mean, the thing is, I watched it the first time and I was just like, yeah, that was good, and that was about it. But it just, it, there's so much on rewatch to take in. I, yeah, man, you you should rewatch it. Right, uh, my number three. Now, um, this this was my number two actually originally, uh, but has fallen aback slightly. Mm. Um, now it's the guest. Now, nice. Okay. Um, any other year, uh, because I think the, the, the films I've got now at number one, and number two, I think are extra 
extraordinary films. Um, End of the year, I'd have been very happy for the guest to have been my number one film. But then I watched it after we recorded last week. I watched it last Sunday night. Um, and it was then that I was worried and was thinking, what if it was just that I happened to go into it? Um, because there's there's nothing striking about the guest. It's made by a filmmaker that I, I've not really got on with before, um, and it, it's a very much it's it's a pulpy kind of B movie esque. Um, reminds me personally of, of, of early kind of Carpenter movies. And I thought, what if on second watch it just doesn't click in together? It just doesn't um, it doesn't kind of sit as right. And it was just. When I saw it the first time, because it wasn't what I was expecting, and I was, you know, I was bowled over by it. What if I built it up in my head? Um, and then I got to, uh, and then it's just spoiler alert. I got to the moment where um, the where they're out hanging washing, uh, and the washing line goes, and he stood just holding the washing basket, which is about what fifteen twenty minutes away from the end of the movie. Um... And I felt at that point like. Fuck, I feel like I've been watching this for about ten minutes. Yeah, sure. It just... And it, it's not... I mean, don't get me wrong, it's not a long film. It's a hundred minutes. But it just... It bounces by. And it's so achingly well... Just kind of put together. And you've got these great performances. Everything just feels really tight. And, like, it's almost like... The, 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 they've just kind of... It, everything's fit right. Dan Stevens has got this entire world sort of going round him, and the character is so believable that everyone is just kind of reacting to what he's doing and almost going, holy fuck, this guy has got it nailed. If we just play off this guy, it's just going to work so fucking well. And there's bits that I noticed throughout it that I didn't notice as well. And I was watching it with Becky, who the first thing she said to me before we actually, as the film started, was you've really built this up, so this better be fucking good. Which then made me terrified <laughs> yeah. that it wasn't really good. But after, like, five minutes, you just turned around and went, this is fucking great. Nice. And the guest is just... the the Even the bits that I remember, I still laughed out loud at. Um, it is still achingly cool. Um, I can see why people have compared it to Drive in that sense, but as an actual film, it's fucking nothing like Drive at all. Uh, but I can see why people have kind of looked at it in that way. But yeah, The Guest, I just think it is an absolute blast. I would love, absolutely love, but I don't think it ever happened, to get a Guest 2 where you have um, Anna and Luke go on and try and find, track down David, because it is... There's a great moment uh, where he rolls the grenades into the cafe, and it's just there's a moment. Yeah, he, he kind of like goes off look. for fuck's sake. Right, oh then I'll do this, yeah. and then he just there's, kind there's, of chucks them in. Yeah, and <laughs> it, it, it's just you look at it going, ah, oh, that is because it's it's been explained that he will do anything for his mission to not be compromised, uh-huh. and his mission uh-huh. is identity, and it's just like. It kind of leaves, and then it's like almost off camera. He realizes, shit, I've got to blow up. I've got, I've got, I've got to kill them all, and I've got to create a diversion. Here's some grenades. Thank you very fucking much for all being here. Yeah, yeah. And, and it, it, it's literally like that, and it's wonderful. And then even the moment when he gets stabbed, and he's like, "You did the right thing." 
And it's almost, he, he's almost sarcastic, but he isn't. He's just saying to this kid, no, don't feel fucking bad. You did what you were supposed to fucking do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well done. Good kid. <laughs> when he sticks like, his thumb up at him, and it's, yeah. it's like, it's like the weirdest Terminator 2 homage you've it, ever seen in your life. Is, Absolutely, and you've got like the scene earlier where, the, where he's talking to the kid in the school, and he's like, "Why, why you know, you, you know, why, why are you doing this for me?" He's like, "Because we're friends," and it's like, "Yeah," and it's like he's not saying he's not using him and saying, "Oh yeah, I'm going to use the fact that you think." They're no, they are friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah It's yeah. just he's programmed to kill people who might find out who he is. So him saying that is him going, "Look, we're friends. We're still friends. We're still cool, right?" Yeah, yeah. I, it, I just adore it. No, it's it's it is fucking fantastic. And that will become an actual, not not a, because there are films uh, that people will call, oh, that's a, a cult, a, 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 a future cult classic. It's like no, that isn't a cult classic. It made a fuck ton of money and everybody liked it. Mm-hmm. Just because it's quirky doesn't mean it's cult. The guest will become an absolute cult favourite in 20 years' time. Right. Your number two. Two. Yeah. Uh, So, my number two is the Coen Brothers uh, Inside Lewin Davis, uh, which I fully fucking expected to be my number one. Fully, fully, fully expected it to be my number one. Um, But, yeah, uh, it's not. Um, Absolutely gorgeous digitally graded grey look to it which I just love every time I watch it it's practically monochrome and it fits the wintry New York then Chicago atmosphere so fucking well um I'm pissed off it didn't win cinematography last year you know bloody gravity um (laughs) Oscar Isaac I can't believe he didn't get a best actor nomination last year uh, I can't say bloody gravity to that, but I mean, it, like, he is amazing. He is a dickhead, but he's the most watchable dickhead you'll ever, you'll ever want to see. Um, he's just amazing. Um, and then you've got, I, I, I mean, Kerry Mulligan is just like really vinegary and just like off-putting, but there's occasional chinks in her armour where she's quite warm, which is uh, just every now and then, which is awesome. Uh, the, I mean, the, the, the songs I really like, um, even with Marcus Mumford being the co-singer on at least one of them, you know, miracles never fucking cease, apparently. Um, I mean, it's it's just, it's funny. Um, you know, there's, I think, if you want to look at it surface level, just kind of comedy, I think you can, but obviously there are, um, there are uh, references to the Odyssey and, you know, the idea of um, is the cat, a, what is the cat a representation of? And, you know, you can go as deep as you want to. If you want to be just silly with it, you can. If you want to go deep, you can. That's the magic of the Coens. Um, I think this is them on, on top, 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 top form. Um and yeah, I, I mean, I, I've, I've kind of gushed about it on the podcast before, anyway. But it just—it's—it's it's a wonderful film, and uh, yeah, uh, Inside Louis Davis. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to a rewatch of that at some point. I've got it on uh, on, on Blu-ray, and I, I keep meaning to get back to it, but I've—I've I've, I've not as of yet. If I had wings like Nora's dove, I'd fly the river to the one I love. Tell you when 
note from Ian here I decided to put that whole song in because it's fucking brilliant back to the show um I have a feeling my number two may coincide with your number one fucking shit it off I think you're probably right um my number two which which what I will say is on any other year um because I, I almost feel like my number one, I almost felt like saying I wasn't going to include it in my list what because. What is your number one? Oh, uh, you, 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 I'll, I'll wait and let you figure it out. My number two is a film that I watched last week, um, uh, and uh, it's it's astonishing, um, really, to be honest. It, I think is the only word I could use to describe it, and it's. Um, Damien Chiselli's uh, Whiplash. Fucking number one of the year, man. Whiplash. Uh, well, I'll let you do it. It's your number one. I'm going to let you go in with it first. Are you sure? I, actually, yeah, because it's your number one. I'll let you go in, and, and I will react to the bits and probably just agree with the bits yeah. that you're going to go in. I've been amazing. I mean, it, it, it just... It completely takes you by the scruff of the neck and shouts at you for an hour and a half, and it is awesome. Um... It is so intense, and not just in the last ten minutes, no. but there are plenty of other moments that are really intense. Um, uh, the film constantly goes down avenues where you think you know where it's going, and then it just completely sweeps the rug up from under you and says, fuck you, I am smarter than you. Here you go, uh, but not in, um, not in an obnoxious way. Um, Miles Teller is great. He, you know, his character is a bit of a dick, and um, his whole kind of thing about being um, 
you know, wanting to concentrate on his art and the, the, the girl that he kind of meets. And I was kind of thinking, um, like, through the film, like, oh, there's not much time being spent with them. And then it's just basically because he drops her because it's... Or, spoiler alert, sorry. Because it's all about the... Um, it's all about his art, you know, and, and I mean, basically the film gives as much consideration to her as he does. And it, that kind of sounds misogynist. And in a way it is, but I think it's because the film is in the mind of this character. It's focusing on what this character is focusing on and he's not focusing on her. So there you go. Um, and I mean, it just it is what it is. I mean, it doesn't hate women by any, by any fucking means. No, I, I, the thing is, I, I, I don't think you could ever label it as misogynist. Cause I think if that had have been, I don't know. It'd have been, it'd have been anything. He'd have dropped it. Yeah, literally oh, no, totally. drop everything. Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. I, I think that's a better way of saying it than I was saying it, frankly. Um, yeah, so uh, it, it, there's that, and then you've got Miles Teller, who, who uh, no, not Miles Teller, Jesus, J.K. Simmons, who absolutely just he is terrifying. Yes, and you never know what he's actually up to. Um, even, again, even when you think you've got him figured out, you kind of don't. And like the ending, just what what were his intentions in doing what he does at the end? You know, and I mean, you you could just I think you could talk about that for hours and not come up with a consensus. Um, you know, I, I, you know, on the face of it, I think it's one thing, but then if is he actually trying to push things? Yeah, you know, it, it, it's it. You know. Why? I just why? You know, and, and and it's awesome, and it's not that the film is is being um, unclear because uh, because of any fault. It's just awesomely unclear. Uh, mm. So uh, yeah, I mean, it, he's absolutely astonishing, and also he does have some very funny insults. I did like when he's um, he's talking to the kid and saying, "What are you looking down there for? There's no Mars bar down there." I don't know. It just <laughs> you know, it, it's it's so just like wow, you are really going after this kid, aren't you? Um, it's marvelous. It's. I'll let you speak. Uh, yes, it is. It's. It, it's a terrifying movie. It really to watch. is, though. It is a. a, a in a lot of ways, um, in, in terms of the feeling of when you're watching it, it reminds me of uh, Twin Peaks: Fire Walk with me, in the sense that this isn't a horror movie, but it is as intense and as frightening to watch and as kind of as shocking to watch as anything horror can ever give you i spent literally the entire duration of this movie not even sat uh, watching it but kind of squatted knelt down watching it it is an incredibly tense movie um jk simmons is fantastic and we, you know we've all known this he's been fantastic for years but he has got inside something there and it, he's so well suited to it his changes in he always seems like the same character but his changes seem to flip and he's very well aware of his changes and he, he is uh, he psychologically manipulates everything including himself to some extent uh, and and what I think it, it will happen is, is, is he will win all the prizes for it. But I do think that Miles Teller might end up getting kind of missed out because it's seen as this overbearing performance from uh, Jacobson. And Jacobson deserves all the, the awards that he gets for it, that he will get. But Miles Teller is incredible in this movie. There are moments where he's really 
completely invested himself into it and you know he's he's a driving force behind what's happening and he goes he really is going for it and there's 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 bits where essentially what we're watching is a guy just playing the drums for five ten minutes but it is so intense and so tense that it is it's marvelous it really is an astonishing movie um and if you were to sort of set aside, because for some reason these two films have kind of seemingly been pitted against each other a little bit in terms of Foxcatcher and Whiplash. Um, and Foxcatcher seems to be getting all of the, um, the high level kind of pushes and things like that, you know, and Whiplash seems to, seems to be flying a little bit more under the radar. And, um, Foxcatcher was, is a, is a good film. It is a good film. But it felt a little bit like, fuck, is that, is that it? Whereas Whiplash, I went into it going, this is going to be a good film. And when it finished, I was like, wow, holy fuck. <laughs> that was, that was incredible. Uh, yeah, absolutely adored it. Yeah. It, it's, um, it, it's out of this world good. I mean, it's as, it is as good as everyone has been saying it is, and and then some, frankly. Yes. Yeah, it is. It really... I, I, I cannot wait to watch it again. Yep. Uh, right, do you want... Should we, we go through... I know we, we, we have said your number one. Oh, yeah. Do you want to go through my number one, and then should we do our bottom ten, tens? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, Lee, man. Yeah, yeah. All right, I'll do my number one, then. Uh, my number one is... Martin Scorsese is the Wolf of oh, Wall Street. Of course it fucking is. Sorry, yes, yeah. of course it is. Uh, a, a movie which... The reason why I feel sorry for movies like The Guest and Whiplash is Martin Scorsese is the Wolf of Wall Street isn't just my favourite movie of this year. It, or of last year, sorry. It is one of my favourite movies of all time, yeah, yeah. and I said that when we watched when we when we reviewed it, uh, and I said that, that the problem is with saying that is now when we reviewed it then uh, last January, then it was one of my it was it, it, it was it was teeting around my top ten movies of all time. But I said, but the problem is there that's just pure adrenaline and reaction to it. So you need to let it sit with you a little bit. The Wolf of Wall Street is three hours long. Uh, and I have watched it six times this year, uh, already. Uh, last year, sorry. Uh, and I've watched it once actually this year so far. I know I didn't, I watched it just before, just before this year. Uh, and every time it, it just gets better and better and better for me. Um, I love the fact that it is, personally, I think it is one of the greatest comedies of all time. It is deeply black. It is, so over the top and ridiculous that it, it also it all falls back into what you're seeing isn't necessarily what happened. It is the it is the memory of what happened of somebody who was on an incredible amount of drugs, an incredible amount of ego, and was essentially just blagging it. Um, and somebody, I was talking about somebody the other day, and he said that the, the Wolf of Wall Street, it was good, but it, it felt a little bit scattered and a little bit all over the place. And I said, I, I absolutely agree with you, but I think that is entirely intentional because Jordan Belfort freely admits that he's not the smartest guy in the world, and essentially he blanked his way to where he was. 
and somehow for a few years managed to stay ahead of the people that were chasing him down. And the reason why the people that eventually caught up with him did was because they were smarter than him and they were better than him and he was just fucking blagging it. But while he was blagging it, he made the absolute fucking most of it. Um, it's an incredible performance by Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, I can see absolutely the reason why at the Academy Awards, Matthew McConaughey, um, won for Dallas Buyers Club. It's a fantastic performance, by the way, by Matthew Connery in Dallas Buyers Club. But it's it it ticks a lot of Academy Award boxes. Whereas we are introduced to Jordan Belfort uh, sniffing cocaine out of a hooker's ass. That is why that performance was never going to win DiCaprio his first Academy Award, which he so richly deserved for it. It is ridiculous, it is over the top, it is over long, but I don't give a fuck. I could have watched another two hours of it and would have still fucking loved it. I saw a Steve Madden um, handbag the other day uh, when my, uh, myself and Becky were walking through uh, TK Maxx and my brain instantly started doing the Steve Madden um, what's it, what's his name, uh, Jonah Hill voice from when he's on the Quaaludes. Um over and over in my head, which made me go, fuck, I want to watch Wolf of Wall Street. It, I just adore this movie. Um, and that is it. For me, it is perfection. Nice. Fair enough, man. So go on then. Do you want to run through and just give kind of sentence reasons? I would say why uh, you didn't write your top. We'll go through the top tens. We'll do it ten, one each. So your number ten worst film of last year. Uh, my number ten, Transformers: Age of Extinction. Um, it's certainly not the worst. Um, I think the previous two were probably up there in my top three or five. Um, but you know what? I haven't watched that many films. I've hated this year, so hey, it still makes the bottom ten. Yep, um, my number 10 is uh, Sex Tape, just because it is utterly, totally pointless. It is an iPad advert, that's it. My number 9, I Frankenstein, because it's I Frankenstein. <laughs> my number 9 is uh, Devil's Dew, because it has the shonkiest use of... Um, handheld footage, found footage uh, I've seen this well in recent years and that's fucking saying something. I would say a good 30% of that movie is unwatchable. Two, two films you mentioned so far I put on and stopped watching so I think I made the right choice. <laughs> you fucking did. Devil's Due is, is, is 76 minutes before credits and it felt like, it, honestly, it felt like about five hours long. I believe that. Um, my number eight is Sabotage. You're nuts. It's shit. I, you are so wrong. It is, a, it is an unsung masterpiece. Bollocks. Your number eight. <laughs> my number eight is The Bagman. Um, 
it's almost like John Cusack and Nick Cage um, get given a load of scripts and they go, oh, you can do that one. Uh, you can do that one. Can I swap this one for that one? There. And that's all they're doing. Um, De Niro plays the strangest character. Um, there is a woman in it who... I felt like we all should know uh, because they portrayed it like, oh, look, it's that girl from... Oh, really? And then when I checked it up, <laughs> it's, it's like, I, well, that's, that, it's that girl from what? Nothing. Uh, it is just a real... It, it is there because it's just a really, really bad film. Okay. Uh, my number seven, uh, Rennie Harlan's The Legend of Hercules. Um, it, it's just... It, it, it's really... I don't know how it got a theatrical release. Uh, it, it, I mean, it's it's just rubbish. It's really wet rubbish. I don't have anything more to say about it. It just is crap. Yeah, my number um, seven is uh, Someone Marry Barry. Don't know why anyone made this film. Uh, I, I don't understand the process of somebody reading that script and going, yeah, yeah, this sounds like a good, this good script. We'll, we'll, we'll make this. It's just terrible. It's basically two obnoxious people end up meeting and then end up um, falling for each other and then they all fall out with their friends because they're really obnoxious. That's it. Sounds like rubbish. It's it's crap. Utter crap. Uh, my number six, uh, The Quiet Ones. Hammer, again, uh, released bollocks. Um, I talked about it on the show, but it... Um, yeah, I just just listened. Uh, there's no point. It's shit. It's just it's bad. There's it's not scary. Uh, the the plot is stupid. The ending's really really bad. It just it was a real waste of time. Mm. My my number six is the strange colour of your body's tears. Uh, one of my most anticipated movies of uh, last yeah, year, yeah. and and then I watched it. It's I, I was going to put it on my most my biggest disappointments, and then I realised no. It's shit. It is just shit. It's not even pretty shit. It's pretty for maybe ten minutes, but then the rest of the time, it's just shit. Yeah, it's very dull. Very dull. Um, My number five, Sin City, A Dame to Kill For. Um, What happened? Uh, Incredibly boring. Um, Eva Green's boobs do nothing to enliven the film at all. (laughs) And uh, an absolute waste of a really good ensemble cast. It's it just really, really bad filmmaking. Yep. Uh, my number five is Sin City, A Dame to Kill For. You see, even Lottie didn't like it. No, no, no even Lottie didn't like it, sorry about <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yes, um, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, that was her opinion on it, yeah. She's been doing yes. that a lot lately, sorry. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, uh, it's... Yeah, like you say, uh, even I, I got bored of looking at Evergreen's boobs. Uh, that's how bad um, Sin City: yeah. A Dame to Kill yeah. For is. It makes Evergreen's uh, boobs boring. How yes. does this happen? It is. It, 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 it's yeah. It's it, again. It is just so so bad. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, my number four. They came together. I talked about it like last on the last episode. So just refer back to that. It's. I don't. I don't see how people are actually finding it funny. I just. I don't get it. Uh, my number four is Nurse 3D. Again, a film that I was not expecting anything from, but was really looking forward to. Uh, and then I watched again, very much like Strange but it is. I watched it, and although, although I enjoyed parts of it and enjoyed the ridiculousness of it, 
I, I have to admit, it's fucking terrible. <laughs> yeah, not surprised. Um, my number three, video games, the movie. Video games are cool, yeah. Video games are cool, aren't they? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, do you remember that video game? Oh yeah, yeah, that was great. Yeah, yeah, uh, 90 minutes. <laughs> Uh, my number three, The Inbetweeners 2. You're um, a madman! No, I'm not. Um, it's, it's just misogynist shite. Um, yeah, it's just fucking terrible. <laughs> that opening bit with Jay doing the walking himself through the letter of lies, I was just watching it going, seriously? Oh, is right, brilliant. This is what it's going to be. Oh, oh, there's a bit of shit following down a, down a water slide. Oh, ha, 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 ha. Not funny. It's just not funny. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. Hated every second of it. Becky's asking what I'm talking about now. In between us, in between us two. My number, Oops, my number two, Lucky McKee's yep. All Cheerleaders Die. Um, you want misogyny? Watch all cheerleaders die. Holy crap balls. Um, I very nearly watched it a few times, but then every time I go to watch yeah. it, I go, this sounds like a bad idea. Yeah, no, it just, I, oh my God, it's, it's so bad. So, I just, I, Lucky McKee, what are you doing? Uh, I, yeah, no. Uh, my number two is uh, They Came Together. Yeah, you did end up I, watching this, didn't you? You fucking I did idiot. end up watching it. Um, and I messaged you, uh, I think, to say... About ten I'm minutes fine. in. Yeah, about ten minutes in and you stayed watching it, you fucking idiot. Yeah, I did. I, do you know what the bit that, that made me go, oh, fuck you, in this movie was? Everything. Where... Was, well, it, was it everything, the, Mark? It was everything. But the first bit that got me was, I thought, right, well, yeah, all right, they're going to be playing around with a lot of um, rom-com tropes and like that. Oh, hang on a minute. Why is Amy Poehler pretending to shave? Oh, it's going to be one of those movies, is it? It's smug. It's stupid. It's a Saturday Night Live sketch, and probably not even a good one, stretched out to an entire fucking movie, which... This is the thing that should be explained about They Came Together. You can dislike this movie and still like the people in it. But you can't just like the movie for the people in it. It is fucking terrible. It is arrogant, smug, self-aggrandizing, backslapping fucking bollocks that actually made me... uh, it, It made me angry watching it at how just oh look how funny we are look how we're aping on all of these films like you arrogant pricks sing it brother you know it's like I'm sorry Paul uh, haven't you been in quite a few rom-coms yeah you know yeah that's a really good point the people who are in this film skewering the things that it's skewering are a lot and most of them responsible for half of these bloody things that they're skewering. Yeah, it's it's far too much comedians going, well, we're funny, so if we're all in this together and we're all really funny, it'll be really funny. No, it's gone straight to VOD on pretty much everything, and the reason is because it's shite. Fuck, it is bollock yoghurt. Bollock yeah. yoghurt! Go on then, what's your number one? 
Uh, my number one worst film of the year is Dumb and Dumber 2, because it's Dumb and Dumber 2. We reviewed <laughs> it a couple of weeks back. I'm going to refer you to that. It, it, it just, it's so, 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 so bad. Yes, it is. I actually forgot. That's how bad it is. I forgot that I'd even watched it. Otherwise, it might, it would have probably been in my worst ten, to be honest. So bad. Uh, right, my number one worst film of last year is The Babadook. It's just shite. <laughs> and I don't understand. And even when people come to me and say, oh no, but it, it, it the monster is, is, is hurt psychology. It's like, alright. Oh, oh, okay. Because, do you know what? Do you know what? I didn't, I didn't get that. That must, fuck it, that went straight over my head. That really obvious fucking point. Oh, so what you're telling me is, She's suffering from post-traumatic stress syndrome, and she's she's keeping her post-traumatic stress syndrome. She's keeping that at bay by occasionally taking a bowl of worms down to her fucking basement. Wonderful! Oh, brilliant! Now I feel the world is better. Now it's shite. It is shite that somebody along the lines has gone. This is great, and people have gone. Oh, I better fucking say this is great, just in case. Just in case it is actually fucking great. And everybody has gone. Oh, it's brilliant. It's wonderful. It's marvelous. And I'm sat there watching it, going, "What? When? Every second of that film is excruciating." I didn't hate it nearly as much as you did, but I, Hon- I, I honestly I liked it. But hey. honestly, I would prefer to watch. My entire bottom ten, your entire bottom ten of the past ten fucking years back to back than ever watched that movie again. Mm. It ah, oh, it, it it probably my worst ten movies of all time. That's how much I hated that movie. Fair enough. Fuck. Right. Uh, that that was two thousand and fourteen. Uh, Ian. It was a fucking good yeah, year, wasn't it? It was, man. It was a very good year. Um, a very good year. Uh, super, super happy with it. Um, yeah, roll on 2015, you know. Um, if, I mean, Christ, if, if I didn't watch Whiplash this week, it would, like, 2015 would have got off to a fantastic start, you know, but, um, we'll, we'll see next week what we, oh yeah, well, we're reviewing it on the show that we're going to start recording after this. So what did I just yeah. watch? <laughs> Oh, Taken Free! What a way Taken to start free. the year! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> right, um, right. so that was uh, our 2014 review show. Um, it's, yeah, I said, it, it, it's out a little bit later than we wanted it to be out, but hey, oh, fuck it, it's there, and, and we hope you enjoyed it. Um, and we'll speak to you on the next show, where we will be discussing Taken 3. We'll be throwing in some one-olds and one-news, and we'll also be starting the Ian and Mark... Drag what is Werner it called? Herzog Drag, up a mountain. Drag Werner Herzog up a mountain with Aguirre, the wrath of God. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, thank you very much for listening, guys. Thank you very much, folks. Take it easy. Bye-bye.